Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, New Media for the New Millennia. This history and the current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Also, we're streaming live at abb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening there. You'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with a live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook and that Facebook search engine. You can type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and time for an awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace and our partnership with the BB to me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening to Sunday uh, April the 30th edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, author, professor of politics and African-American studies at the University of San Francisco, Dr. James Lance Taylor. Dr. Taylor is a member of the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about what's going on there tonight. In fact, a lot about what's going on there. Uh, give a historical historical perspective on all of it and entertain your calls in reference to it and anything else that we might spin off on that affects our people nationally, locally, or even worldwide. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. 
Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. 
the relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 712 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, uh, the rain has kept me in, but I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you, you know, always got to be, um, which, you know, Elliot, I don't know if, if it's um, bragging or just, you know, need an acknowledgement, but I wanted to make uh, uh, Dr. Taylor know I did finish his, you know, that we finished his article. You know, you, you know, the last time he was on, he was making sure that we uh, get the update and the, uh, the politics of the black power movement. So I just wanted to, so I'm, I'm excited to be in conversation around that with that in mind and then um, finding out what's going on with the uh, San Francisco reparation. <laughs> yeah, well, it's always good to have Dr. Taylor with us. And uh, we're going to touch on a lot of these things tonight, Richard. And I, you know what? Well, let's kind of get things rolling. Uh, I guess this evening, author and professor of politics and African-American studies at the University of San Francisco, Dr. James Lance Taylor is with us. Dr. Taylor, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing actually great. It's a beautiful Sunday here in, in Northern California. And uh, uh, it, it's better than it was the past few weeks where it was raining and flooding and, and everything out here. So so we're happy. <laughs> Yeah, y'all been getting some serious weather. I'm telling you, and the East Coast, especially Philadelphia, we didn't have any winter at all. In fact, the past two winters, it hasn't really been a winter. I mean, it's been raining like buckets the past two days. But other than that, I mean, it's it, listen, this climate change or whatever's going on is real. No doubt. Dr. Taylor, uh, we want to touch on quite a few things this evening. Um, as a member of the... Uh, the uh, San Francisco uh, African-American uh, Reparations Advisory Committee. Uh, I want you to kind of go into some of the things that you can do and talk about. Uh, the big uh, announcement is coming up in June. Uh, Reverend Brown, the last time he was on, he said that they would be releasing things in June. Right. Uh, the, the final right. assessments. and, and uh, Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm very close to Reverend Brown uh, personally and uh, on the committee. So uh, as much as he might be a controversial figure, I understand the method to some of his uh, his approaches because I know his heart. His heart is right. He and Jeremiah Wright from uh, Chicago, Obama's former pastor and Michelle's former pastor, were the only two students of Martin Luther King in the class. Reverend Brown and Jeremiah Wright were the only. King had two students, and it was those two men, and they both totally embraced King's prophetic approach and style towards social criticism and other things. Um, um, Reverend Brown is the person that came up with the idea of reparations in San Francisco. That, that's what's not appreciated. Uh, he got a lot of backlash uh, as president of NACP in the city, where he's been for many years, in opposing the $5 million 
recommendation that we offered along with 110 other items. We, 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 we talked, we had a totally comprehensive approach. The 5 million is what got the attention. But the truth is, if you got rid of the 5 million, you still could transform black life with what we recommended. And that was Amos Brown's emphasis in saying, make sure we don't let these people dismiss our, our, our claims based on the rejection of 5 million, because he felt like that was a non-starter for most people. But to be quite frank with you, brother Elliot um, and brother Richard, we have been working for a year and a half. And one indicator is our, our website in San Francisco on the reparations committee. I think it had gotten, I think they said, uh, I want to say 300. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think they said 300 hits for a year and a half, maybe. And then on January 15th, Martin Luther King's actual birthday, the Chronicle in San Francisco published a report on reparations. And we got 11,000 hits in one day. 13, 300 in the previous year and a half. 11,000 in one day. That $5, that $5 million, it, 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 it was necessary because we were trying to figure out how to get people's attention, and we, we were doing it sincerely. And to be honest with you, what, what's not appreciated, brothers, is that the $5 million did not come from the committee. The media has not acknowledged that the $5 million came from the black community in the comments that they were allowed uh, as a formal part of the you know, city council uh, city committee that we are you know, as a committee we have to live by the city's rules, you know, how they have Robert's rules of order within the functions and there's public comment. And that's where the 5 million came from. In fact, folk recommended 2 million. Then they added it to 4 million and it was black folk, everyday black folk who've been in San Francisco for 60, 40, you know, 60, 50 years, whose grandmothers lost their homes. And they told us to hurry up and hurry up with the cash stimulus of money. Now, meanwhile, the state of California, Offered two hundred and thirty-three thousand. That's still that's still that still would change everybody's life. And and brothers, the goal of our committee was never to make anybody rich. It was to take black folk from where they were supposed to be. Um, at middle class them, not rich. In San Francisco, brothers, if you make five million, if you if you worth five million, not if you make if you make five million, that's a different conversation. But if your net worth is $5 million, that means you inherited your grandmama's house or your mama's house or your daddy's house in San Francisco because of the property value in the city. And you got a job. If you work $5 million in Atlanta, you, probably, you don't have to work. If you work $5 million in, San, in uh, Texas, you probably don't got to work. Louisiana, you definitely don't have to work. In T- Kentucky, absolutely not. In Philly, you probably got to work. If you live in Bryn Mawr or King of Prussia or somewhere out there in the outskirts, you got, you got a nice piece of property, and it's worth millions, but you probably still got to pay your bills. And in San Francisco, brothers, what we were trying to do is take people from poverty to middle class them where they were supposed to be. Stanford University, and I've been attacking them left and right, and I'm, go, I'm not going to stop here. Stanford University was originally supposed to be a part of our committee. They were supposed to help us with what we were trying to do, the, the school of law. And then it disappeared. But then about three weeks ago, Stanford came up with a study saying that the reparations uh, committee and its recommendation of $5 million, of course, every, listen to this, 
white family. White folk ain't even the majority in the city. Blacks, Asians, Latinos are the majority in San Francisco. White folk are 40%. By themselves, they're the majority, but not by themselves. They are, they, they part of the San Francisco plurality. But San, Stanford only focused on what it would cost white people. And they told them it would cost them $600,000 per family. Now, look at this. They didn't ask all of the, how it would impact the, the non-whites. And they didn't ask how did black folks sit back, feel sitting back since the 40s for the last 70 years watching white political leaders, white labor leaders, white, you know, um, uh, public administrators, white folk that were in charge of policing, all, you know, turn this, you know, the state apparatus in the city and the governmental apparatus against black folk to keep us down. From, from the 66 riots uh, in, in Hunters Point, which is where the Panthers came from. People act like the Panthers came up in Oakland by themselves. No, the Panthers came up three weeks after the 1966 San Francisco riots, uh, Hunters Point, when a, a, a cop named Robinson shot a black boy named Robinson, Robertson, I believe it was, and left them on the ground like Mike Brown for hours. And the community rose up in 1966. Before that, the year before that, it was L.A., of course, in, in so-called Watts. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I look at reparations in San Francisco, um, we have listened to the community. And Tucker Carlson, um, Larry Elder, um, Leroy Terrell, all these uh, people have opined about reparations. But I ask you, in the audience, how much, have you, how much study have you given to the topic? Because everybody has an opinion about black reparations. But don't nobody even know, for example, brothers, that Indian gaming in California is reparations. The Japanese got reparations in the Fillmore. Jews get reparations. Israel get reparations. And America ain't do nothing to Israel. Um, and so the beauty about what we did, when we said 5 million brothers, look at what's happened before since. There was already 14 countries, uh, African and West Indian, since Queen Elizabeth died, or, and before, like, you know, a, a Tobago and, um, oh, 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 uh, oh I, I'll, I'll come back to it. Tobago uh, renounced the, the crown. And Tobago considered itself independent and still a part of the United Kingdom, but no longer under the British, uh, under the Queen, or now the King, and they rejected her before she died. And when she died, if y'all remember, everybody was putting out with all them jewels and diamonds and pearls on her, on her, her helmet. I'm going to call it a helmet, but get a crown. <laughs> uh, we're from, and it showed all the colonization. And what I'm saying to you all is what black people are advocating in America for reparations is part of a black global claim, a Pan-African diasporic claim against what the white Western world has done for the past 500 years. And they're saying to them, your wealth is illegitimate and your status is illegitimate. You have, you have been unrighteous when others have been human. And I spell human H U E M A N. I don't spell it H U M A N. I spell it with an E. Because I think human meant brown, you, you, man. Um, but I look at, I look at, you know, what's happened with 
but we've done it in, in San Francisco, brothers. If you look it up, Google it. Google Boston reparations. Google um, Detroit reparations. Google that Evanston, Illinois, which was, along with Asheville, North Carolina, was one of the first two uh, cities to uh, bring up reparations. Um, Evanston did not roll out its program well, and I think it had helped like maybe 20 black families out of hundreds. So it was, you know, largely, uh, you know, stillborn. But if you look at it now, Google it. In the last two, three weeks, because we came out in San Francisco and said five million, look at it. Look at what's happening in Evanston, Illinois right now. They've given $25,000 to every black family because we inspired it. Uh, Berkeley, look it up. Berkeley High School, Berkeley uh, Unified School District, out of nowhere, came up with its own reparations program. The city of Berkeley has its own reparations program. I spoke to a group last week. Uh, um, Alameda County is, is establishing a reparations committee. I know the people doing it. Oakland is talking about a reparations committee. And, and the thing is, in California, at the very least, every black community should be organizing around this issue, not only because it sterilizes, I mean, it, it mobilizes us as we, as we, you know, as we organize around our politics and interests in the meantime, but ultimately we better have our stuff in place if reparations does come down from, from Sacramento. Because Gavin Newsom is on, on, online. Gavin Newsom is with us. If this white man becomes president, that'll be the one where reparations come from. And you ain't heard that from nobody else but me. And I got some credibility with y'all. Uh, if Gavin Newsom has signed piece after piece after piece on the down low here in Cali to facilitate us moving forward and avoiding Prop 209, which is the anti-affirmative action initiative. We, you, you haven't heard that being used against reparations, but that's in place here in Cali. But we've been painstaking to make sure we avoid, like we recently defined uh, our um, eligibility based on lineage, like Freedmen's Bureau lineage, um, your great-grandmama's lineage, not your race. By eliminating eliminating race, we still get the same black group. We can still do lineage without losing one black person. If we do race, we we invoke 209. And Newsom has signed multiple pieces of, like, executive orders. He even designated black Californians as as, as a special group so that we can move forward past 209. And people don't appreciate that. So if Joe Biden, you know, pass out, pass out tomorrow, it's going to be between Kamala Harris of California and, and San Francisco versus Gavin. And I like Gavin Newsom's odds. <laughs> Dr. Taylor, let me, let me, um, cause I, I know Richard wanted to jump in, but let, let me go back because we, I, I want to go forward with some of the conversations we have now because, um, it's, it's important. But let, let me kind of backtrack because you did a, um, a, a piece that became uh, legislation, if I'm not mistaken, you can clear me up, in San Francisco around the Slavery Disclosure Act in 2005. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, l- l- let's, let's use that if possible, but just tell us the, the backstory of the organizing because a, a lot of people see now. Uh, what's happening in San Francisco and in California around reparations. 
Yeah. But, th- but they don't well, understand, um, and, and I don't want to cast, uh, to, to, to cast aspirations on any of our people, but some of our people don't really know the work it takes to organize. Talk about the, the work that it took to organize our people to even get to this point uh, where, where they're on the same page yeah. and having town hall meetings, getting the people's yeah. opinions. That took organization. You go back, Doctor Taylor, and talk about the organization and, and, of this. And of course, of course, a lot of it was inspired by the George Floyd moment. But in San Francisco, we had already met in two thousand six, and it was called the Slavery Disclosure Ordinance (SDO for short). Slavery Disclosure Ordinance. The state of Iowa, the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, and San Francisco all have SDO. And in all those places, they have different rules about how you have to reveal any ties you have to slavery. If you Google right now, San Francisco Office of the Administrator, that's where the slavery disclosure ordinance is and the record. In every year since 2006 to 223, 17 years, we got all of the evidence. We have all these corporations who had to come to San Francisco and they had to do self-dives in their own coffers, in their own records, in their own policies, and they had to, you know, be forthcoming. So it wasn't like it was policed on them. It was, you know, an ordinance, like you can't pee on the corner, excuse my language, you know, something you just can't do. So they had to, or you have to reveal, and they had to reveal their ties to historical slavery, like Bank of America, if you go online and Google Slavery Disclosure Ordinance acquired between 56 and 63 corporations from San Francisco, where VFA was founded. I think it was Bank of Puerto Rico before that, but other than that, in the U.S., it was in San Francisco. And um, the Bank of America acquired 56 corporations who were slaveholders or had ties to insuring black bodies. And if you remember with the George Floyd movement, the main company to come out out of all of the companies that probably promised all of them billions that we still ain't seen was B of A. And then Wells Fargo came behind and said, we're going to streamline the process for which black folk can buy houses. That's what Wells Fargo did. But Bank of America promised $3 billion. But Bank of America has had zero conversation with black San Francisco where it has injured them, where it could, where it could show its goodwill toward this idea of being you know, responsive to the George Floyd reckoning. Charity begins at home, and San Francisco's B of A is talking to black folk everywhere outside of San Francisco except where they hurt him the most. B of A is a main culprit like SFPD in injuring the black community in San Francisco, economically speaking. And what we're trying to do, brothers, is overcome economic racism. That's what reparations is aimed to do. We've overcome a lot of different forms, and we're still fighting at a lot of different forms of racism, but one of the most important that we don't get clarified, like the language I'm using, of economic racism. That's capitalism. Uh, that's discrimination at jobs. That's discrimination, you know, in, in, you know at, at schools. That's discrimination uh, on multiple levels. And so what we're trying to do with reparations in San Francisco is not make people rich. I, I challenge the audience and the hosts, brothers. Brother Richard, do me a favor. Tell the audience, if you have a computer in front of you, Google how many millionaires the city of San Francisco has, brother. 
Mm. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> oh, well, they'll keep going and while I'm doing it. Anybody got a computer in front of them? I'm working it now. Google simply how many, not, not how many black, but how many millionaires are there in San Francisco and, and hold on to your seat. Mm. The city has a little bit less than 800,000 people, just under. Uh, 200, 276,400 and 488. Please, please, please say it again. Those are millionaires. Say it again. 276,400 millionaires. Brother Elliot, <laughs> it's not 27,000. Yeah, I'm looking at that too. It's over 200, uh, 277,000 if you round Brother it Brother Elliot. Yeah. Look at that number. Yeah, I see it. If you gave everybody in black San Francisco five million, they still would be on the bottom. Look at that. They got a hundred they got San Francisco, if you want to break it down more, got sixty eight billionaires. And people like George Lucas and, and, and others, you know, all the people that's in charge of Twitter and in charge of Facebook and in charge of, you know, uh, all the other uh, uh, uh you know, uh tech 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 companies, they're here. Um now, I have not checked how many black people are millionaires. You might have a few like Willie Brown and a few others that are living quietly out here, you know, off tech, with tech. Um, you know, uh, Benjamin Jealous came out here for a while after he left NACP to try to connect uh, tech to black community, uh, but it has not, it has not gelled well. Um, so there are there's, there's a couple of black millionaires like Roy Clay. We talked about but we've had Roy Clay, we talked about Roy Clay on your your show probably two three years ago or more. Um, the brother that's you know the one that that is why you can go to any hotel or any airport and 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 the two terminals talk to each other. A black man created that technology. When you go to the airport or a hotel and the two people behind the counter can talk to each other's computers. Uh, Roy Clay Senior. Look it up. He's called the Godfather of of um, of Silicon Valley, not the black godfather, the godfather, because he was the dash, I say, between Hewlett and Packard. That black man is the dash. When you see Hewlett and Packard HP, there's always a dash. I say that black man is the invisible dash, Roy Clay Sr. He's still alive. He's a billionaire here in the Bay Area based on his connections to them and their original, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, what they gave to people who were original shareholders, for example. But there aren't many, many. And I, I just want the audience to appreciate when they respond negatively to $5 million in San Francisco, do they understand that one out of every three and a half people, no matter how many homeless you see, that, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom. But at the top of San Francisco, one out of every three of them is a millionaire. <laughs> and if you got 5 million brothers in San Francisco, you are still you 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 okay? You, you know, if you got five million, that means you inherited your mama's house, and that's what black folk lost. A lot of them sold their houses, their families' houses during the crack era, and I learned that through some research I did in San Francisco, and that's a tragedy. Tragedy. If you ask some black folk out here what happened to the, you know, what, you know, you, you've heard the saying, "Don't sell grandmama's house," right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and unfortunately, that happened here in seventy nine, eighty to about eighty four. A lot of the younger, you know, people in their 40s sold the houses of their mothers and grandmamas from the 1940s. And 
that's the main injury in San Francisco because the redevelopment agency, um, you know, did Negro removal, which is what they did everywhere, everywhere where we, we live. And so reparations here is not about slavery as much as it's about everything after slavery, everything after slavery, from discrimination to labor laws um, to, you know, policing to land grabs like Bruce Beach in L.A., um, on and on. We can go on and on. But reparations is not solely about slavery, but there's a lot of ignorance on Twitter elsewhere where people are like, there was no slavery in California. No, there was was 400 years of slavery in California. I'm a scholar. I study this. There was 400 years of California under five governments, from the French, the Spanish, to the Americans, to the Californios, to, to the USA. You know, from the Mexicans to the USA. And they all had slavery up until the 1850s. And, of course, we all know that black folk were a part of the aboriginal people in this continent. We weren't just brought here as slaves. We were here when Columbus encountered the, uh, the, uh, the Americas. He didn't go see no red Indians in, 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 in Oklahoma. He saw black people in the Bahamas, the Lucayan, the Arawak. That's who he saw. And, now, and we were here before Columbus. And, 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 and so when we talk about reparations in California, there was slavery and we were bound up in it. But the main injury is everything after. Yeah. And um, what we did was we, we, we listened to the neighborhood say, you know, millions, not, not a few thousand. What has happened to us is we've been dispossessed. And as a result, um, we were responsive, and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. And London Breed, the mayor, the black woman mayor, from the projects oh, of San Francisco, she recently came out about five days, four days ago, against the only brother on the board of supervisors, who was recently the board of uh, supervisors president, and got, and got tricked out of his power. He, he was the board of supervisors, the board of supervisors president in San Francisco was Shimon Walton from, from the uh, Hunters Point, from the black section. And he got undermined. He was the president for the last year and a half. And he got undermined where it's too much to to go into detail here right now. But ultimately he is the main city council rep promoting reparations. And he asked London Breed about four days ago. And he was trying to ask her a month before that, but she was ducking it. And they asked her, the black woman mayor, um, what is your position on reparations? And Shaman Walton tried to create a $50 million funded permanent reparations committee in San Francisco. Can y'all brothers imagine what that would be? That would be more than anything we've gotten so far in the history of reparations. No matter of all of our efforts in COPRA, uh, Republic of New Africa, you know, going back to Blyden, going back to Delaney, you know, the idea of institutionalizing reparations in San Francisco with $50 million would have been highly significant. But she has another program called the Dream Keepers Initiative, and they're funding, and that's black, and it's youth oriented, and they're funding it for like fifty-four million. Now, now let me just say this: San Francisco city government found about seven hundred million dollars last week in accounts unused. Seven hundred million dollars in two different. They gave 82 to SFPD. They found 500 million 
of $480 million sitting around in an unused account that London Breed is sitting on. Now, this sister's supposed to be down for the black community, and I'm the only one being critical of her. And, and they might remove me from the committee, but I'm, I'm willing to go down. But every time I'm getting a chance to talk about this, I'm criticizing her now because she's a black woman mayor who is not supporting. And we've been meeting for a year and a half, and she knows everybody on the committee, and she knows we're sincere. She knows we're not playing. And we, we had the city council. 11 white, you know, 11 people, half of them Asian, half of them white, and one black agreed 11-0 to move this issue forward. And they put it on London Breeze's desk last week, and she said she won't support the $50 million for sure and said it just curtly, cutthroat, to Shimon on camera. I will not be supporting that initiative and smiled like, like a Cheshire cat because she got a big smile if you Google her. She got a giant smile. Um, but when it came, you know, but she ain't said nothing positive about reparations. All she talked about is the Dream Keepers Initiative, the DKI. And, and, and brothers, just so y'all know, one of my students – who, I, who t- I taught for years at San Francisco is the main sister in charge. So, so this is personal for me, at least, you know, in terms of my student is the one that Breed appointed to run the program that's being used as the, you know, her form of reparations. And it's not working because we've been meeting apart from her. She had no role in creating the committee. Walton did, but Reverend Brown started it. And so when Reverend Brown came out, as you interviewed him, Brother Elliot, Against it, what he was trying to do is trying to give white folk on the committee and the Asians on the committee an alternative rather than cutting the throat of it because they heard $5 million and based on city budgets and debts they couldn't, you know, it was a non-starter. He was saying, y'all could do installments for the next, you know, I think one, one proposal was $95,000 per year per black person for the next 250 years. And that's what white people have been getting. Being white in America, brothers, we don't estimate the reparations implicated in white skin, how they wake up every day. And if you listen to King on YouTube, Google King and, 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 uh, and reparations, and hear him talk about the county agents who told white people how to mechanize farms and how they gave them institutions, universities around the country. And he says these are the very same people who tell the Negro to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. Just Google King and, and reparations. It's right there. Where King was... Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, they don't even acknowledge when Martin Luther King was at I Have a Dream and said, we have come here to cash a check, and it's been marked insufficient funds. They don't hear that. They hear, oh, the color of skin and content of character. But they don't hear King talking about reparations. King talked about reparations a lot. And to me, it's the last frontier. There's nothing left. No more affirmative action, no more welfare, no more, you know, piecemeal solutions. Reparations is, is, is what we owe every black child born in America right now. Every black child should get $250,000 when they're born. Because the way this system is working in certain cities, they're going to spend $250,000 on incarcerating you and dumbing you down and making sure you're not brilliant or, or, or reach your full potential. Brothers, they invest in keeping us down. Go back to Prop 21 in Cali. It was called the Juvenile Justice Initiative. It was targeted at mostly Latino and blacks here in California. If you could possibly see the ballot online somewhere, they showed the ballots and the, and the numbers, the ballot that you voted on at, on election day showed, Brother Elliot, like 
it was crazy, like, you know, nine figures. <laughs> it wasn't like seven. It was like nine figures, you know, like nine million, uh, nine billion versus, you know, 100, you know, 700 million versus 800 million. It was like that. And the voters look at that price tag while they voted, and they did it. But now, let's say, let's turn that to reparations, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard. What they're going to call that reverse racism, unfair, you weren't slaves, we didn't have you as slaves, uh, that was a long time ago, all these games. But they invest in keeping us down. They pay negative reparations to keeping us down. What we're saying is we purpose the state and the city's will and the tools of government and build us up. You've overdeveloped the white folk, and that's why they're losing their damn mind in America with these deaths of despair. Google that, death of despair. Google it and watch what you see. A bunch of people in their 40s to early 60s whose lives are bound up in the opioid crisis and fentanyl. Black folk have had it in some places in pockets, but it ain't our crisis. It's like Crack wasn't as much their crisis as it was ours, even though they got caught up in crack, too. The same thing is true here. We're caught up in fentanyl, but it ain't really our crisis. But if you look it up, it's called deaths of despair. It's these white folk who half of them are tied to MAGA. The other half are tied to the dead dream of Ronald Reagan of trickle-down economics and the fact that he killed the middle class. They disinvested $55 trillion under Ronald Reagan from the middle classes of America to the, to the 1%. And that's why Bernie happened. And that's, we, we've been in that, to me, we've been in 50 years of Reaganism. MAGA is Reagan. MAGA is not Trump. And people forget that. Google Reagan saying make America great again in 76 um, or 80. Uh, but Trump stole that like he did. You're fired from anybody you know from New York that know. Uh, George Steinbrenner said it first <laughs> with the Yankees and Jerry, and, and, you know, and Billy Martin. So when we talk about reparations in California, we're talking about um, bringing the black community up to a healthy place. And that includes, again, those 110 other aspects we talked about, brothers, is a, it's, a whole, it's a holistic program. It's not one-dimensional. It's psychological health. It's, it's, um, it's job training, it's financial, you know, financial training around how not to waste your money, you know, and spend it all flashing, you know, uh, you know financial literacy is bound up in it. Um, uh, you know, again, we, we, we've talked, there has not been as much a, as a comprehensive program uh, offered by black Americans, uh, you know, to this degree, because it's, it's acknowledging the current economic injury of now and how that has, um, if you look at all the scholarships since the 2000s, that period is where you saw all these disparities. There's a, 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 a you know, their book, you know, there was the Bernie campaign. There was the Elizabeth Warren campaign. There was Occupy and the 1%, and we were bound up in that 99%. And reparations really does evolve out of that crisis, and that's, which, that's where Randall Robinson earlier, but Tanasi Coates later, documented the black injury, going back to Chicago and different policies there. And, 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 that's, and what's beautiful, brothers, is, like I said, we are inspiring. If we had said $50,000 per black person, 
The same people that are upset about $5 million would still have been upset. But what we did is inspired people all over the world. And now we've seen about 10 places in the USA pop up. And we've seen in Evanston, look it up. In Evanston, I, as I said, they had a poor rollout at first. I think like 20 families got help out of all of the black families that were discriminated against in the 40s and 50s. Look it up. In the last two weeks, they've agreed to give every black family in Evanston, Illinois, outside of Chicago, where Northwestern University is, $25,000. If, 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 if that ain't 40 acres of the Mule Brothers, what is? Richard, jump on in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, Dr. Taylor, I want to do a couple of things, if you don't mind, um, and, and what you presented to it. One, I wanted to get clarity to um, the committee from the Board of Supervisors. And can you can you help us by saying, when you said a year and a half ago, walk through that how that committee formation occurred. Is that the same as the Board of Supervisors? Thank you. The NAACP in San Francisco deserves credit. They started it. They were the organization in the midst of the George Floyd moment when everybody was talking about the reckoning that, you know, that inspired uh, the city council uh, president at the time, as I said, a black man named Shaman with two A's, uh, M-A-A-N, Walton. And um, he used his position. He's from the, you know, he's from the bottoms. He just wrote a book about his own personal biography from, it, it says from, from juvenile hall to city hall because this brother came from, you know, the bottoms in San Francisco. And people may not think San Francisco is hard because it ain't Chicago, New York, or Detroit, or Philly, you know, or somewhere like that. But trust me, just like L.A., you know, San Francisco ain't no joke. Like Richmond, California ain't no joke. Um, and uh, he came from that, Shaman Walton. And he uh, adopted Reverend Brown's suggestion that we form a reparations committee. And Brother Shimon Walton actually found funding because we do get funded. We do get, we do get paid. I'm going to tell you, everybody, I'm beyond full disclosure. We get paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars every month. It ain't worth our time in terms of the hours we spend, at least mine. But, um, but we do it, and they give us a little stipend. And, but the bottom line is uh, we have worked seriously, brothers, towards reparations. Ain't nobody playing. Nobody. Everybody involved is serious. We've had we've had the city's commissioners. There's about forty, about thirty commissioners throughout the city that work for London Breed. We've had about ten of them. We've had uh, Ron Daniels. We had um, uh, the sister who who started the Evanston, Illinois reparations program. The sister that was a city councilwoman there and started it there. We've had scholars, uh, David Boussard, who wrote the book, the definitive book on Black San Francisco. We've had, you know, we had, we brought Cornell West here. And we had Cornell West give three speeches in San Francisco on reparations. And y'all know he was fake on it because he, he criticized Ta-Nehisi Coates and called him a sellout or, or the white man's Negro. If y'all remember, Cornell turned on Coates. But we had both. Taylor, I just wanted to, to because I, I want to make sure I understand. Um, so the NW, the, um, the, the brother in the NAACP started the committee. Or right. did the committee start in the NAACP? The committee, the, the, the idea of it came from the NAACP, and then the implementation of it was came a separate. From a, 
brother, yeah, the brother who's the president of the board. So he again, we had the city council president position, uh, and he used a black man. Right. And there's two black people in government in San Francisco: the mayor and, and brother Walton. It's only two, and he used his power position to make the reparations committee happen. And they funded a lot of our activity, but London Breed, the black woman mayor, came out against it like right. the last four days. Or at least she didn't come out for it. And now she said she's gonna wait till June when the final report comes out, but I'm starting to attack her right now, be honest with you, because she needs to be called to the carpet. Like, you know, black folk elected her multiple times. Um, she knows the injury. Her grandmother experienced it uh, in, 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 in San Francisco. I can name her projects. Um, I have an article that I just published coming out uh, on London Breed sometime soon. And uh, uh, y'all will appreciate this because y'all from Philly, Temple University Press. Look it up. Black woman, mayor, black girl. I think it's called Black Girl Mayor Magic or something like that. Black Girl Mayor Magic. But Temple is publishing it. And I have an article there on London Breed. And, and y'all being connected to Philly would appreciate that. And uh, and she's all of a sudden come out lukewarm on our, on our proposal. And you also, you also said, you also said that, um, the um, $5 million figure came from the community itself. Yes. Can you explain how that process, like was it a, commu- a series of community meetings and it was information solicit um, how, or as you mentioned, Thank you. the website um, where it had question. Um, 300 hits and dinner. How did that process to where community um, people actually uh, suggested that number that was captured? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Again, in, in, in San Francisco and most cities, uh, you know, town hall or city council meetings, especially with Zoom, and, and for the record, just to be clear, our the, the reparations committee in San Francisco could not meet in person for the whole year and a half because of COVID restrictions. We just have met for the last three months, the last three months. So since January, not we, we've been meeting for a year and a half, but on Zoom. So be Think about that, that we've been meeting, we made a lot of decisions online, and now we're in uh, the conference halls of City Hall where you have, you know, the conference seats and all that, and we, they make us feel important sitting up there and fancy and stuff, and I appreciate that. You know, I want pictures of that for my kids, but you get my point. Um, but the process, again, uh, it goes from the NACP to City Council to the neighborhood, and then when the neighborhood responded, their sense of injury and urgency, brothers, is what, what pushed us. They, black folk kept calling in in the hundreds saying, do something now. We need cash now. And a lot of us kept resisting cash because we didn't want the negative feedback around cash. But, you know, because they think of us as you know, wanting a, a handout, welfare, all their racist criticisms of us, right, or affirmative action, reverse discrimination, all that kind of crap. And they want to talk about the Indians. They want to talk about the Irish. They want to talk about the Jews. They want to talk about everybody else but us, you know, um, when it comes to reparations, you know. And and so when we we suggested five million, it 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 went from a few suggestions by ordinary people that we go for two million. Then all of a sudden it went to four million. And to be honest with you, it came to a point where folks were like, "Well, there's really no amount that we can actually fix to this that would be appropriate." So five million was kind of a there was a subcommittee because the way the reparations committee is set up is we have about five subcommittees like, like economics, public policy, public health, public education, you know, things like that. And and so the 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 you know, my subcommittee 
is public policy, but there was one called the Economic Subcommittee. And that subcommittee is led by a brother who's a little bit more radical. Uh, he happens to be from the Eritrean brother or Ethiopian brother. He's Abisha, one way or the other, um, named Etienne, um, and Etienne Ekenem. And that brother has marshaled in the five million, and he ain't, he ain't backing down. And nobody else is. Reverend Brown backed down because of the feedback, but Reverend Brown came back around and said, what I mean is five million plus institutionalization. It was his final position is five million plus. If you look at Reverend Brown's final position, because Reverend Brown is on the California State Reparations Committee as the vice chair, and he's on the San Francisco Committee. So Reverend Brown has a lot of power. He started it in San Francisco. He's appointed by Newsom at the state. And he's also at the city level, but he also has a third hat, well, as a pastor of Third Baptist, one of the oldest churches in San Francisco, but he has a fourth hat as the head of the NACP. So he came out with his NACP hat and opposed our committee and his own committee at the California and city level, because at the California level, they listen to this, the, the California State Committee is offering $233,000 per black person right now. Y'all reacting to the $5 million, but the state level has recommended $230,000. And a lot of folks are ignoring that, but that's, that's right now. And so we have to complete our report next month, and the state committee will com- complete their report. But right now, black folk have gotten closer to reparations in this state than ever before, down at Bruce Beach in L.A., the black folk that sold that, that recovered their beach legally and had to sell it. They had to sell it for expedience. You have to read the story to appreciate why they had to sell it back. They were all in their 60s. They had no really young uh, heirs, as far as I recall. It was a situation where they would have had to pay exorbitant taxes, and the cheapest thing was to sell that property for $20 million, even though we both know, we all know it's going to be worth a lot more. But but that's important. Look at Evanston, $25,000 per black family. Look at Berkeley, the school district, not the city. Wait, the city and the school district separate. And this is a school that has Cesar Chavez Day. They have Malcolm X Day. So it's actually an enlightened school at Berkeley, Berkeley uh, Unified School District. But they are giving reparations to black people who they feel have been underdeveloped by their academic program. And it's, uh, brothers, all I mean by reparations is this. White people have been overdeveloped, and that's why they're in crisis right now, because the government lied to them and told them they were superior. And we have been underdeveloped by a lack of investment in us. And that's the fundamental problem of America, and that's the fundamental problem of what reparations is trying to, to, to correct, is to bring us up to where we're supposed to be um, uh, based on the injury that has happened to us, not by white people. But by the government, every government that was ever here when we had chains on our ancestors is still here. And that's what, brothers, what I want us to focus on. The injury done to our people, we could say white people indirectly, yes. But we have to, I think, make a direct claim against the state's injuries towards our people. And as I, as I um, pass it back to you earlier, I, I'd like to ask you one more question, um, Dr. Taylor. And it is because I was informed by your paper that I, I'm trying to contextualize this moment, this reparations moment, um, I guess from the, uh, a political philosophy perspective, right? Um, would you, how would you characterize it? Is, it a, is this reparation moment, hearing all the local and even state, and then you hear 
national um, efforts toward, uh, towards reparation. Is this a nationalist movement from Absolutely. a local philosophy perspective? And, and I notice in your paper you make a distinction um, between a, dom- a domestic nationalist right. nationalism right. and separatist nationalism. So are right. you saying that this is a di- when we look at this and right. from our political philosophy, we should look at it as a domestic national. Right. Great, great, great question. Very, very, very intelligent question. Uh, and I agree with you. It, it would be out of the two between separatists and domestic. Of course, we know the Nation of Islam and Martin Delaney and, uh, you know, the Republic of New Africa had elements of, you know, separate development. Because that's what, when you say separatist, what we really wanted was separate development. We didn't want separatism. We wanted to be left alone. And that's what, you know, with Plessy versus Ferguson, separate didn't bother us. It was the unequal that we challenged. And we were cool with the, with the separateness because separateness, that's what we got, religion, that's what we have, blues, jazz, the policy, love, dancing, family, you know, everything positive. It, it was integration where we, you know, we have to deal with the devil every day. And so for us, separate was fine. It was the unequal part. And that's where the economic racism comes back in. If they had given us reparations from 40 acres in the mule or to the, if you look at the Cali House movement that I've talked about on Elliot's show multiple times, the sister from Memphis and Isaiah Dickerson in the 1890s, um, if that movement had been allowed to mature without the government's interference, and again, if you study Cali House, you'll see what they did to Garvey. They first did the Cali House. They used the same thing against Garvey later. Mm-hmm. So Cali House was the one that used it. The same uh, mail forwards that they used against Garvey for trying to raise money, I think in the Midwest, like in Chicago or something, in a mere advertisement, they used that against Garvey to bring him down. And if you, if you ever look at the, the evidence against Garvey, what brought Garvey down, you would, you, it, it would make you like apoplectic, as they say. But, but before that, they took Cali House down and Isaiah Dickerson the same way. The, uh, and this is the Slave Mutual Relief Fund in Memphis, where black folks sued the national government treasury for $56 million for eight years of slavery. And it was such an intelligent uh, model, but um, we have not followed uh, Cali House's example well. Don't get me wrong. There was a case called McAdoo, I think called uh, McAdoo versus Johnson and McAdoo versus Jackson, uh, based on this history I'm talking about with Cali House. Um, there's a book called My Skin is Black is True by Mary Frances Berry, and I'm, and I'm sure Brother Elliot knows who Mary Frances Berry is, going back to the 80s and 90s, a, a black liberal women scholar, intellectual brilliant sister. Mary Frances Berry was a part of the United States um, Civil Rights Commission under Clinton. She was brilliant, and Bush got rid of her as soon as he came in. Um, uh, but she wrote a book called My Skin is Black is True, and it details the history of reparations in America. And to me, brothers, if you don't know the story of, of Cali House, you, to me, you don't have no right to opine about reparations. And if you go online right now, you'll see all these white opinions, all these Latino, Asian, and others opining about what's appropriate for reparations. And most of them, it's a non-starter. But they have not studied the issue. They have not studied black injury or taken it seriously. And again, for me, um, it comes back to, I think, much like marijuana or, or cannabis legalization and gay uh, or marriage equality 
here in the Bay Area. Think about that. In San Francisco, under Gavin Newsom, when he was mayor, it was marriage equality that went from the steps of San Francisco City Hall to international. Unpopular idea. Extremely unpopular. Then weed, legalization. Extremely unpopular, but it starts on 14th and Broadway in Oakland at a place called Osterdam, which is a local school that they created to teach people about, you know, cannabis, et cetera. It's no longer there, but it was there. And that's where it came from, weed and marriage equality. Extremely unpopular ideas that got internationalized from the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's why I think it's important that we do reparations from here. It could happen in New York and Harlem. That would be powerful. Yes, it would. It would be powerful from Philly. Um, But... Like I said, with weed and marriage equality, think about those unpopular ideas and what has happened to them in your lifetime that you didn't expect. Did you ever expect to see weed legal brothers? And did you ever expect to see marriage equality and now transgender identity, which is a whole nother thing in our lifetime? But we watched it. Why not? Rep- we watched a black president and a Jesuit pope. Why not? A- why not reparations? We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, you can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with Arthur, professor of politics and African-American studies at the University of San Francisco and plus a member of the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee in San Francisco, Dr. James Lance Taylor. We'll be right back. Brother Richard, on time for an awakening media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free 
of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we're getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregationists, people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism, do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality, and uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh, to go, but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America. We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who have achieved recognition. But look at Raft Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated humiliated. Not being able to fight back as a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. 
I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8-12 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, author, professor of politics and African-American studies at the University of San Francisco and also a member of the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee, Dr. James Lance Taylor. Again, you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Dr. Taylor, um, let me go back uh, again and kind of touch on some of the things that Richard touched on as far as the organization. Because mm-hmm. this is something that we have to do. We can't get around it. And in a state like San Francisco uh, that never really had the level of chattel enslavement that some of these other states had, and especially the southern states, it's a lot of work that has to be done in other areas that we can all help one another with. The organization part of it is what I'm looking at because I've seen that it had to be a level of sincere organizing to, yeah. get, to get to the point where, where you yes, are sir. now. The, the, uh, yes, the, sir. The, the, uh, the town hall meetings, things of that nature, uh, getting the people's pulse, getting their opinions, uh, taking all of this into account, uh, calling other people in there that have done different levels of work, whether it's uh, William Darity and, and some of the other people that have been a part of what, yeah. what everybody's doing. That's the, that's what I'm trying to focus in on. Uh, yeah. That, from that, our, from our standpoint, we're, 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 like I said, we're organizing from the local level, like around cannabis and marriage equality, hoping that it can create a top down response. We're trying to invoke and provoke the federal government in the same way. Gay, marriage did and we think about it brothers it started here in the bay area not everywhere but in the bay area only or at least initially or at least most prominently and then it spread out um i think reparations is like that i think what we've done so far uh we got they say is 30 percent white folk that are supporting reparations and that's asians latinos that are hostile to us so let's not be pretending about them uh but uh white folk are now 30 percent on board they used to be 19% in 1999 and like negative zero in 1965. Um, we've made progress through educating, through our campaigns. Brothers, I've been telling everybody I've been meeting with that reparations ain't just the end. It's the means. 
it's what we're doing in the meantime, because if you think about it, brothers, think about every time the three of us get in the room together and talk around this or that, or we bring five sisters in, or we bring 12 brothers and five sisters in, and we all sitting around talking about things and planning and hoping and thinking about what can we do for our children? What can we do for our elders? What can we do for health? What can we do for food? What can we do for water in all of these cities? What, can, we, can we take advantage of when banks die? Can we, can we uh, make, you know, can we create our own things when they dry up the food, uh, you know, when, they, they, when we don't have a food, uh, you know, a major market in our community where they call food deserts? These are opportunities for black folk. We, we, are, we got black billionaires now. Look up, you know, we, we got black folk. The, 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 the brother, I told you this before, the brother building the tallest building in New York City, taller than the, the, the replacement of the Twin Towers, is from Washington, D.C., um, uh, uh, and he's a student, he's a disciple of Howard Washington. I mean, I'm sorry, of, 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 of Marion Barry, excuse me. I made a bad mistake. Marion Barry. Um, uh, uh, look him up. This brother is building the tallest building in New York City, and he just canceled a multi-billion dollar development in L.A. when it was exposed at L.A. City Council that you had all those Latinos being racist towards black folk that got exposed on a hot mic and caused a big blow up in L.A. Look it up. Because now L.A. has a black woman mayor, but she's dealing with, um, you know, she was, de- you know, what, what was there before her, if you look at, was a recent scandal at L.A. City Council where four Latinos were caught on a hot mic, three men and one woman, including the president of the board in L.A., as they were taking black power away. It wasn't just talk. They were saying, we're going to give black folks zero, and we're going to take all this. And, and, and she said, they're with the blacks, if you look it up. And, and that blew up a lot. And so, you know, what I'm trying to suggest is I think black folk should document the injury. Philadelphia, you can trace what has happened to black folk back to Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, 1787, the same time the country was being born in Philadelphia in September. They finished on September 17th. Richard Allen and them finished earlier, I believe, that same, that same summer. And they met in the same place in Philadelphia. And that's where the black struggle was born with the AME church. And that's where this country was born. And that's where Philly can document this injury all the way through Richard Allen, Absalom, Absalom Jones, Mother Bethel, the AME church, and ongoing impacts, the, the poverty, the, 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 you know, the criminalization of black folk. The state, brothers, has gone out of its way, like I said earlier, to invest in our underdevelopment and our downtroddenness. But they won't invest that same money. Even London Breed, for example, in San Francisco, when George Floyd moment happened, she was talking about defund the police. Just like Biden, she's completely turned. Now she's giving more money to the police. Now in L.A., they have promised $150 million to LAPD. I'm sorry, they, they promised $120 million to LAPD under, the, uh, under uh, um, Garcia, and they took... 150 million from LAPD, almost you know that's almost a 300 million dollar turnover. That happened in LA, but up here in the Bay Area, London Breed changed her mind, and the sister prides herself on being from a neighborhood, and yet she won't come out and say, "I emphatically support reparations." Well, let, let, let me say something in reference to that, uh, uh, Doctor Taylor, and uh, and then I'll, I'll and pass it. Hurt, it, it, it. It's hurt what we. It's hurt the momentum of what we were doing, brothers. What, that, I'm sorry. And that, that's what I want to mention. And then, then I'm going to pass it over back over to Brother Richard. 
because in us pushing for this, which is just and righteous for injuries done to our ancestors, in us pushing for this, we realize that if we, if we use a historical perspective that Europeans that have formed this government and their, their descendants are still here, or either they're going to push against it or push to control the narrative of it. Right, right. And they also will use people that look like us to fight against it. I mean, when right. you were on, not not the last time when you were on, when you were on the time before, you put my coat to a black man that had wrote a book in the early 1900s trashing black people. I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. Oh, Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal something. Yeah. William, William Hannibal, William Hannibal Thomas. And of course, Tom would be in his name, wouldn't he? <laughs> like Clarence. Well, you know, after you, after you had mentioned that, <laughs> after you, after you had mentioned that, I read some of the things. I, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was reading, but this was like in around 1901. He wrote yeah. this scathing right. book right. about his own people. And I'm using that to it's kind called, of... It, it, but the book on him is called Black Judas. If anybody wants to know the book, it's called Black Judas. And the subtitle is William Hannibal Thomas. And he was worse than Clarence Thomas in terms of just hating on us as a people. And the thing I hate, Brother Elliot, is white folk act like we had an even start. And Negroes like him act like we had an even start, as if we are not still a colonized... I think that's part of our problem. I don't know how to, I don't know the answer to it, but brothers, I know that I know part of our condition is we're colonized. And we used <laughs> to have the internal colony thesis back in the Black Panther period, black, you know, Harold Cruz. Um, uh, there's others that talked about the internal colony. I read a recently, a recent scholarly paper that said the, the, the ongoing importance of that thesis that we've mostly given up in our struggle but we are colonized like the Jamaicans, like the Dominicans, like the, like, like, like the Brazilians. Whoa, wait, Why wait. do we think Negroes in America ain't <laughs> colonized? Dr. Taylor, hold, 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 hold that point. Because <laughs> We're I, colonized. I, well, wait a minute, because I, I know Richard want to jump in on that one. But, and, we like but, a, and, we, and we like a people in the jungle. Like the police is like the, the colonial police were in Africa in the jungles as we're minding our business, going about our business, picking our fruit, loving our families, you know, trying to make it from point A to point B. The colonial authorities come and they 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 they, they are always. I guess this is like apartheid South Africa. Y'all, gonna, y'all both are old enough to remember that. Well, it's going to become more and more like that. Listen, I, I want you to because Richard, I know you want to jump in on that column. Let's hold let's hold that. But I want to yeah. get back to the point I was trying to raise in reference to a strategy being used to not only control the narrative, but also to have other voices that look like me and you trash it and speak against it. Now we talked in private conversation and you mentioned, or I mentioned one of the, however, Willie Brown's name came up because he had been a powerful figure out there, black folks. And, and, and still is. Go ahead. And you, you mentioned to me that he didn't get involved. He has almost no opinion in regards to this, issue of reparations. Well, I, I've, I've tried to ask the committee as a committee member. I've asked the committee formally about five times to have Willie Brown come and talk to us because he knows the banks. He knows the chamber of commerce. He knows the opposition that is quiet as we've made progress. Since we said 5 million, a lot of that 
opposition showed its ugly head, but that's mainly online. Mainly online. We have not had a uh, organization like the Chamber of Commerce come out against us. Again, the city council voted 11 to zero to forward our recommendation. That don't mean they're going to accept it, but so far so good. And I know the further we get towards the goal of, rep, of, a, of a real payout, the more we're going to get opposition. And so I've been telling us all along, let's, 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 you know, let's, let's anticipate this. Let's talk to Willie Brown. Willie Brown knows San Francisco better than San Francisco knows San Francisco. Willie Brown knows California better than California knows California. The man ran the state for 12 years. If anybody knows, he, look, Gavin Newsom is from his tree. Kamala Harris is his ex-girlfriend and from his tree. London Breed is from his tree. Javier Becerra is from his tree. The Secretary of State is from his tree, a Latino. Um, Willie Brown, uh, Willie Brown could die tomorrow, and he's going to have influence for the next 30 years in California. And to have him come and talk to us, to me, I thought was order number one, to tell us we're wasting our time or whether it's practical or what approaches we could take. Having Amos Brown, don't get me wrong, is very helpful because he, he's got his own set of skills and knowledge similar to Willie's and may go back even – well, not as back as far as Willie's and Cali, but, but Amos Brown is a good ally, you know, a good person to have on the committee with the same kind of knowledge that Willie Brown would have. Um, but I think, you know, Willie Brown might tell us something totally different. Willie, Willie Brown is, you know, like Johnny Cochran. Willie Brown is going to tell you the truth, and you may not want to hear it. He might tell us we're wasting our time. And that would have been good to know early. But he might also say if you do A, B, C, or D, you might have a better chance. Like Amos Brown tried. He said, we can't do the $5 million. Let's try the other 110 points. And that's what Amos Brown's idea was. Uh, downplay the one $5 million, emphasize the other 110 points. That's really Amos Brown's position, not, not don't acknowledge the $5 million. Just downplay it because of the negative reaction to it. But, we, but I think it was signal in getting the attention we needed to tell black people all over we value what we're doing. If we had said 50,000 a black person, that might have been mathematically more accurate. But 5 million said what happened to us was significant. And really 5 million ain't enough. Um, it, it, it should be, you know, some folks said five, you know, 50 million. You know, um, the point is, if you study a book um, called, I think the other half is untold, um, it documents that from 1787 to 1865, specifically from the American Revolution to the Civil War, that 90 years is when black free labor gave America the equivalent of crack in its blood veins to make it go past the rest of Europe and it's never looked back. We infused this country with, 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 with centuries of free labor, but specifically 17, you know, between the two big wars. Um, but before that, 150 years, and after that, uh, you know, uh, after the American Revolution. In, in, in California, reparations should also be about fugitivity. And this is something we haven't talked about today. We talked about it in a previous show. But if you really study California, it was like going to Mexico, because it was Mexico up until 1850. And it, like Canada, uh, Coming to California, the main issue was fugitivity, not slavery. Every black person in America from 1789 through 1850, because if you study 
the Fugitive Slave Law, Google it, you'll see one was made in the 1780s, and then it was given vampire teeth in the 1850s. The same law in the 1780s was re-upped on us. No, you couldn't do jury duty. You couldn't testify. You know, you couldn't be a witness against a white person doing harm to a black person. They made it stronger in 1850, right before the Civil War. Cali is where a lot of black folk came. Like they went to Mexico, and the Mexicans fought the Americans over us in 1846 to 1848. The Mexican-American War was about slavery. Henry mm-hmm. David Thoreau was a part of that. Ralph Waldo Emerson was a part of that, right? And and so, you know, California. If you don't, if you if you, if you want to act like California didn't have slavery, even though it had 400 years of it, black fugitivity was always a reality. And not just for California, but I think we don't understand as a black people right now, we were all policed from day one, 1789, then they made it deeper in 1850. And that's how the state sees us. And that's what we're fighting for for reparations. We're saying to California's government, y'all need to interact with us differently from the police to the economic relationships. Treat us like you did white folk. Treat us like you do soldiers. If you got a veteran, it's easier to get a house. It's easier to get health access. It's easier to get, you know, uh, education. That's, that's what reparations in San Francisco look like. What, what, what does a veteran get? And if you study the history of reparations back in Memphis with Cali House, you'll know, brothers, the original claim of black folk for reparations just after 40 Acres and the Mule in South Carolina in Memphis was around black folk saying because the federal government decided to tax all of the Confederate cotton that we picked. That's the key. And Cal- look it up. Cali House, read that book about Fer- for Mary Frances Berry. That, that documents that Cali House said, we picked the cotton. We should get the, the, the money from the cotton. And that was the basis of her $56 million lawsuit, is that we picked the cotton, not the Army. We did. We should get what the soldiers were being given. And the American government said no. And it went to the Supreme Court. Most of us who do reparations don't know. There has been a Supreme Court case on reparations, and we lost. And if you look it up, it's, it's, I think it's called McAdoo versus Johnson or McAdoo versus Jackson. I mentioned it earlier. The outcome was in the 1890s that the state was immune, like, like quali- you know, qualified immunity that cops have when they shoot us. And so we got to overcome that. But I want us to understand that fugitivity was more the reality of black folk in Cali than slavery. But Cali had fugitive slave laws, brothers, where there were cases of black folk sold back into slavery through cases here in Cali. And if you look at 1858, 900 black people left San Francisco overnight, a third of the uh, population, because they lost a case um, with a brother named... Oh, it, it slipped my mind right now. It's, um, I have to think about it. But uh, there was a, a particular case of a brother who was enslaved. Even though he was, you know, he came here, his master died in Cali. And uh, his brother in Mississippi challenged to bring him back to Mississippi. And, and the Mississippi, the racist won. And he was taken back to slavery. And when that case happened, black San, a third of black San Francisco in 1858, uh, just for the record, I was a part of a study of this event under Gavin Newsom when he was mayor 
And Gavin Newsom signed the proclamation, and we have it, that he acknowledged that this is true. So I'm not making this up. Um, uh, so I want the audience to understand, for black um, California, black Mexico, black Canada, it was about being a fugitive because you were, you, you were away from slavery. You ran away. But, it, but what people don't know is after the Civil War, brothers, a lot of the Confederates moved to, to Los Angeles, to Southern California. So L.A. has always been far more conservative. It produced Reagan. It produced Nixon. It produced Darrell Gates. It produced Sherman Block. It produced Chief Parker back in the riots of L.A. 19, uh, you know, 1965. All them racists. They brought all them Alabama racist police, Mississippi police. I'm sure both of y'all have read about that, that they brought from L.A. during the, the Watts riots right around that time. And that's California. You know, I think, brothers, that the war on drugs should be a part of the of the reparations claim. You know, let, let, let's not talk about slavery. Let's, let, let, let's not talk about slavery. Let's talk about the war on drugs only, which which is really based in Cali, L.A., Oakland, San Francisco, and did serious damage to black people's family ownership of homes. The war on drugs, Darrell Gates, Crash, Rodney King, Eleanor Bumpus, uh, uh, Johnny Cochran. Brothers, how, how far do I need to go back? all the way back to August 6th of 1965 when the mama was pregnant and got po- uh, was trying to stop her from, from son from getting arrested, and that's what started the watch riots when the police allegedly hit a, a, a black pregnant woman because that's, the, you know, that's what happened in 65. And then 66 in San Francisco, it blows up. So I'm showing you injuries beyond slavery. And even and look at the zebra killings. This is something you won't hear from nobody else but me. Look up the zebra killings. Google it. It was the Nation of Islam in San Francisco. And about 11 members of the Nation of Islam killed about 75 white people out here in San Francisco. Officially, it was about 12. The real number is about 75. And all but one of them brothers is still alive. One died recently, about a year and a half ago. All the original brothers from the Nation of Islam, Temple Number 26 in San Francisco on Geary Boulevard in 1972 and 73. Look it up, the zebra killings. Not Zodiac. Zodiac was some, you know, weird stuff. But the zebra, the Z stood for the police uh, Z on their radios, just as a secret code. That's all that Z meant. It doesn't mean anything else. But if you look the story up, it'll blow your mind. And and what happened when when those killings were going on, the police shut down on all of black San Francisco. Every black man in the city had to have a, a, a letter or a note from a cop. So if you saw another cop the next 10 feet, Brother Elliot, after you just seen another cop, and I heard about some young brother in the last couple of days that saw, got arrested, got, got stopped by the police three times, three days in a row. I don't know if y'all heard about that, but I did recently online. He got stopped three times in three days, like stop and frisk. But that's what happened in San Francisco in 73 when the zebra killings were going on. And it was the Nation of Islam's members in San Francisco that was doing the killings. And they're still alive, all but one. Look it up. And that, what the police did to the general community is what I'm trying to say. They uh, incriminated every black man in San Francisco, made them wear, I think it was a Z. Or, or you have to have a letter on you. If a cop stops you 10 feet, you better have a letter from the previous cop the next 10 feet. 
<laughs> we, uh, Richard. So reparations in San, reparations in California is not an A to B slavery thing. It's it's far more nuanced. This state created itself to be a free state because Texas and the Mormons in Utah were trying to turn it into a slave state. The Mormons brought slavery as far as it ever came west, and we should condemn them still for that. They try to get away with it, but y'all both know that the Mormons have the best records on our slave ancestors, you know. When we get reparations, you better check with the Mormons in Utah because they have your great-grandmama. Elliot, they have your great-great-grandmama's records, and you don't even know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. The Mormons. I'm Richard. sure one of y'all have heard have either one of y'all, I'm asking. I'm asking. Have either one of y'all ever heard of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, matter of fact, we had Dr. Horn on um, last last week. Last week. Yeah, and in his in his book, you know, dealing with Texas, um, he 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 outlines the not just outline details the the development of the Mormons into California. But what you know, they uh, they, 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 they tried to take they were the ones that took slavery into Mexico. The Mormons, yeah. brothers, yeah. y'all remember when Mitt Romney ran? Y'all both are astute. Y'all heard when they talked about Mitt Romney's family in a civil war down there in Mexico. Y'all heard about that. Yeah. But Dr. Taylor, what I'm, what I'm, um, and what Elliot was um, touching, because as you mentioned, Cali House and the, uh, the that national uh, ex-slave uh, movement, what 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 we're looking at, and and also as you characterize that, you know, from our vantage point, I understand the policy and relationship right. and and defining the harm um, in relationship to reparations. The, in, you know, our entitlement in relationship to reparations. What we're, we're concerned about is the question of how well are we becoming organized um, in this moment, right? So looking at San Francisco, and, uh, and I have the picture of the committee and, and how the committee is broken up and even how, you know, the origin of the committee coming out of the NAACP. Okay. And, but, and I have the understanding of the people um, advocate, the people enunciating the $5 million. What I'm looking for now, and I think that, you know, when we we use Cali House and the ex-slave pension movement, they how well they were organized. Right. Um, I mean, 300,000. Listen, 300,000. So when we look at San Francisco, the next layer I'm looking at, to, if you can um, help us, at the are there many... Uh, obviously there's uh, awareness of reparation, but are there many people who are organizing foot on foot on the ground, communicating um, yes. about reparation? That's one. Yes. Yeah. It's exciting. This is it's so exciting. Um, I think. How is, that, how, is that, how is that? Like, is that community groups? Is that different organizations? Is that the, I mean, I see- think every, I think Philly, Boston just did recently. Look it up. Detroit just did recently. Those are major black cities. Philly should be on the front line right behind Cali or before New York or right behind New York. Philly is so important. The the, the, the history of Philly, the black history of Philly, I, we know things are bad in Philly, but those are symptoms of, of a, a, an unremedied condition. And reparations is the unremedied condition. Economic racism. It's how they've kept us down. And what I think Cali House and other people offer are models 
But I think Philly's injury is Philly's injury. Like I said, going back to Richard Allen, Oslam Jones, you may not go that far back. You might start with Move and, and Mumia under under Rizzo, or or, or um before that, um after that, uh, Willie Wilson. You know, you know, well, well, you know the fact the fact is, y'all can document a lot of what's happened in Philly economically to black people, and you still can see it. Y'all know it, and and it's and it's porous right now. The violence and. What we're seeing is all these piecemeal efforts where they keep trying to put us off from a final solution, and that may not sound good to somebody because it sounds like Hitler and stuff, but we're talking about a final economic solution for black people, not hurting nobody else. We're talking about, again, reparations. Cali House was bold enough to sue for $56 million in 1890. Another sister sued out of Chicago, but it was for her family only. What happened to her family? I think there was a tie between Massachusetts and uh, Chicago, Brother Elliot. You might remember there was a sister in the 90s. She, it was, she was like a one-woman one woman show. Um, I can't remember her name anymore, but she kept the issue alive locally, but it had a connection to Boston, um, uh, Chicago and to uh, Massachusetts. I, I, I think she lived in one and sued in the other. I, I just can't remember the details. But what I'm saying is, Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, says we have come here to, to cash a check. And it's been marked insufficient funds. Um, what I think, brothers, is locally in Philly, I was in Antioch four days ago. Look it up. Look at what happened in Antioch, California, last, last three weeks. They got a black mayor, a black chief of police, and they had this, violent, uh, this awfully violent racist texting situation where cops who have not been arrested admitted to like you know in the Rodney King period they had these things called MDTs which were the, the, the you know the police uh, computers in the cars they had all this racist text on there like gorillas in the mist if y'all remember but they didn't they didn't talk about their specific violence to my re- recollection even in uh, they had something out here in California called the Fajita Gate where a chief of police at the time in San Francisco's son got caught up in a street fight and it blew up into a whole bunch of other stuff. It's called Fajita Gate. Even then, when they checked the text in San Francisco, it was a bunch of racist texts. Look it up. But I don't recall violence. But what was found in Antioch, California, in the last five days, is all these vicious. Brothers, if y'all read it, you'll need to drink some water just reading it because it was such evil, specific evil. The, the cop that was beating the brother texts his wife, and she says in response, ooh, another one on the mantle. Look it up, please. Look it up. Antioch, Antioch California, police department scandal. FBI is here. The feds are here. And I went and spoke into it to show y'all I'm not no sellout. I'm not trying to act like I'm important, brothers, but I want you to understand I'm sincere. I went there with no protection by myself and was on the panel with the mayor who they had threatening to kill. And it was me and him. Look it up. I heard it was all on TV. Everybody told me about it, but I have not seen it yet. But they said I was, you know, talking some militant stuff. So, you know, I got my guns loaded. But I'm just telling you all. Look it up, Antioch, California, police scandal. It's, it's really serious, and it just happened. But I went to the belly of the beast and spoke on behalf of black people 
and how policing is a part of our injury, brothers. Y'all are old enough to know what we've been through. Y'all seen it. Y'all know. It ain't just about bad behavior. We got bad behavior in the community. But a lot of that is effect, not courts. A lot of time, by the time the brother gets the sagging and carrying, how much he didn't been through? How much trauma has she been through? And and we, you know, those of us who are, don't want to see that violence against our people, we, we, we clam up against those young people, and we're like, they're the devil, you know, because they're in our community. But at the same time, by the time a cop confronts most young brothers, the system has failed black people. And that's what, you know, defund the police was all about. It was about us. It's really about taking policing back to the 1970s. And the 70s were harder than the 80s. The 70s were harder than the 90s. The 70s were harder than the 2000s. The 70s were harder than the 210s. And the 70s were harder than even right now, brothers, statistically speaking. And policing was not funded like it became under Reagan immediately thereafter. So Reagan called the war on drugs, according to Michelle Alexander's book, The, the, uh, the, the, the New Jim Crow, a year uh, before crack showed up. The war on drugs was A, crack was B, she says. I don't know if y'all ever seen that, but that's what the book says. It, 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 it somewhat surprised me because I remember a little bit different growing up in the book. But she says war on drugs was first, crack was second. War on drugs is not a response to crack like we, like we think. Let me let me go to two one five two one five. Good evening, brother Elliot. Yes, sir. And good evening, brother Richard. Doctor Teller, how you doing, my dear brother? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing fine. I pray because Doctor Teller, it's an honor to talk to you tonight, and and I'm just so thankful to brother Elliot and Richard for having you on. Could you could you could you hear me, Elliot? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say, Doctor Tell, before I address the reparation movement, I'm glad you brought up brought up about the zebra killings and and and, and the California area because I'm a member of the Nation of Islam and I'm okay. well familiar with those killings and stuff. And see, I just want to say for the record, with with them brothers dead, nobody condones that they was killing innocent white people right, and right. stuff. That, and, and that's and that's wrong. And that was not sanctioned by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's right. Or Minister, or Minister Ferkin, if they did, but some brothers, they did on their own. And it's, it's, and it's see, one thing about me, uh, Doctor, I don't shy away from things. When, when brothers in the nation of Islam did things that was wrong, I'd be the first one to call it out because see, the vast majority of, and I want to that, and I said this to the topic, make time for the way to listen on this because it needed to be clarified. Right. The, most of the system brothers in the nation of Islam did the right thing. There was honorable people trying to raise their families, trying to move people forward. But you always yes, had sir. that crew in there that did things wrong. Like, hey, in Philadelphia, I know you're familiar with the, the black mafia. Yes, sir. The, the, the black mafia. You had, you had brothers in the nation of Islam during the early 70s that was doing things that was totally wrong. They was getting involved right. in drug dealing. Right. And, and, and Newark, too. New New Jersey. New New Jersey, too. Exactly. And, and, and again, that stuff was not, was not sick. As a matter of fact, when the brothers here, Moss number 12, was, was, was dealing drugs and, and killing people and stuff, for, for, for a whole year, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad didn't take no money from the nation of Islam. Can, 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 can I ask you this real quick? I'm sorry to sure. you. Sure. I heard something in the last 24 hours online. Mm-hmm. It was like Instagram or YouTube where there was some brothers, some brother has spoken out on how Philly is like the draw of Muslims right now, black Muslims or Muslims, you know, who are black, who are Sunni. Um, and that there was something going on internally and then 
another brother responded and said that brother shouldn't have spoken on that because he spoke out of not knowing Philly. He's not from Philly. He shouldn't be talking right. about Philly. Have you seen that documentary, what I'm talking about? Well, no, I have like a, not. It's like, a, it's like a, an Instagram clip. Is something going on in Philly? Well, well I, well, I do know for a fact over the last, during Ramadan, we just completed Ramadan, and one of the masjids up here, it, wasn't, it, was, a, it was a Sony masjid and stuff, where, where we had some brothers in there cutting up, and they started shooting, and it was like chaos. Three or four brothers got shot. It didn't really make national news, which it should have. Right, four I had heard about that. No, I had not heard about that. Four or five no. brothers got shot. because see, in the, within the Sony masjid, you got a lot of these imams here in Philadelphia. They look the other way, because these young boys, they they they, they into the drug culture. They know they donate big money, and they know them brothers. They got no jobs and stuff like that. They look the other right. way, and it and it caused a lot of conflict and stuff. And see, the nation of Islam again, we have we have had our own internal issues. But like I say, that when, when, with us, we 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 get that element out because Minister Farrakhan, Mosque number twelve, now here. When I first got my ex back in '87, the minister came here to fill up it personally. He shot he shot Mosque number twelve down for a whole year until them brothers cleaned up the act because he had brothers right, right in my right, in the mosque right, that were right. selling drugs, and the minister right. shut the whole thing down for a whole year until them brothers cleaned up the act. And I and I say the same. I think Professor Teller with the uh, Nation of Islam back in the 70s, the Honorable Elijah Hunter didn't take money for a whole year until them brothers cleaned up the act. He said it was blood money and dirty money. He didn't take it until they got rid of that right. criminal element and stuff, you know. No, I'll so, praise. You know, I'll praise. I, I, I don't want to, again, I, I'm not qualified to speak on this issue, so I'm mm-hmm. showing, I hope anybody hearing, you know, understands I'm deferring to you because I don't know sure. enough. I went, to yeah, in, 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 I, went to school, I went to school in King of Prussia in, in, outside of Villanova uh, yes, in the 80s when, Willie, when Wilson Good was the uh, mayor. And when Rizzo was the mayor, I was in yes. Philly, or out in King of Prussia, and okay. Brimmer out there was doing over is. And so I was aware of what was going on, but I wasn't in part of Black Philly. But I ended sure. up going to church on uh, uh, 50, uh, on 63rd and Vine, 63rd okay. and Street. I know exactly what you talk about, yeah. That, 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 it was a Catholic church and stuff. Yes. Well, it used to be a Catholic church, but black folk bought it out. It was Church of Christ. Right, yeah, exactly. that's, cool. that's correct. Yes, sir. So I got something. I know, I know. I, and it was, it was a place called 56 and... Oh, it was 56 and somewhere else, 56th Street and somewhere else. But anyway, my point is I got some, I got some Philly connections. <laughs> yes, you do. And, 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 you, and you know what you're talking about. We, we talk about places like King of Prussia and Bryn Mawr right. and Villanova. Right. I mean, you know, you know what you're talking about. So because you well, you well in tune to talk. But I'm going to definitely look into that situation with that documentary but, 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 about but, the Sony. But let's get back on topic about reparations. Oh, I yeah, think yeah, Philly's, yeah. Philly, Philly's got to find a group of people, maybe 20 to 30 people, Mm-hmm. Organized, and it can't be the same old Negroes who've been leading the Democratic leadership in the <laughs> city kind of thing. It's got to be independent-minded people <laughs> yes. but who are open and ecumenical enough to work with others and say, it don't have to be about my agenda. It has to be about the collective, what we can get out of this. And, and brothers, what we're doing is we're saying $5 million, but what if they give us 500000 What if they give yes. us 50000 Mm-hmm. Well, well, see the old saying go, uh, uh, Professor Teller. We can make lemonade out of a lemon. You know what I mean? No matter what, what we, what starting point we start we, we at, we can make, brother. Exactly. So we can. So that's we definitely capable of doing that. And see, my whole thing, Reverend Teller, you have to, you have to know the head, uh, uh, Professor Teller, is that we have to check our egos at the door. Because see, me myself, I'm a 61 year old black man that's in the nation of Islam. I don't care about no ego. I don't care about no recognition. I don't care about my name in the paper. All I want to see is how people move forward. As a matter of fact, I'd rather people not know who. I'd rather do stuff right. behind the scenes. So I've right. never been one. I and mean, I know some brothers got the egos. They want to be recognized, and that's them. That's, that's their own issue. They got to deal with that. But long as way, people it's move. Way more, it's way more brothers and sisters like you that don't care. They just exactly. want to be. 
I just want to see how people move forward. That's why I respect yes, people like you, Professor Taylor, who are more learned when it comes to reparations and everything that can help move our people and push the needle forward. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sit back and do whatever I can do from my end yes, to help our people out. And I don't care about the ego and the recognition and things like that. So I'm, sure I'm, most... I'm, I'm calling out Mark, Mark Lamont Hill. Yes, I am he, too. He got a profile in Philly. He yes. is Temple. He, he yes. always fighting for the Palestinians against the mm-hmm. Jews and Israel and always worried about everything else but us. Exactly, let, 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 exactly. Let Lamarck, 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 he's only got a store in the city. Let, where's Mark Lamont Hill on reparations? Well, well, I'm see, holding the brother out. Y'all, well, well, where well, is he? He well, should well, be leading in, in Philly. Well, but, but first, first, let me let me say this to you about him, uh, brother, brother, brother Mark Mahill. He's been quiet even about the Palestinians ever since those Zionist Jews got around him. He's been quiet about them, so he ain't really been saying too much, too much about anything. To be honest with you, I'm just, man, I'm just keeping it real with you. He's defending transgender. He's defending exactly. everything but us. See, that's Say anything but us, exactly. But see, my whole thing, like Brother Elliot said, you said yourself when you first came over and tell it. See, and I told Elliot this weeks and weeks ago, as we could, as the reparation movement gained momentum in San Francisco, L.A., uh, all over the United States, around the world, they're going to put the Negroes down front. You mentioned two Negroes. You mentioned Leo Terrell and you mentioned right. uh, Larry Elder. Larry Elder, Larry Elder. And, 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 and I told, told Elliot, I'm telling you, this is almost as sure as you know it's going to, the sun going to shine again, it's going to rain again. It's predictable. As we move forward, you can Expect to see Negroes like like, like like people like Candace Owens, Paris Denard. They gonna get yeah, all this. The... But see, here's where we are, and mm-hmm. I've been saying this again and again. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm looking at what I I've been around. I've been in San Francisco all the years. I'm a heterosexual black man, but I study what's going on yes, in sir. San Francisco. If you remember the '70s, there was a time when gays had to answer from the church mm-hmm. and from others, "Is it natural?" And they had to answer that question for decades. Right. Real brothers, they've gone to transgender. They didn't jettison way past that question. They ain't even entertaining it anymore. And I think we should learn that lesson. Again, I'm studying what did happen. What happened with we? What happened with marriage equality in the Bay Area? And how did it go national? They mm-hmm. moved beyond old questions and stopped answering them. We ain't got nothing to worry about the Irish who were slaves and they right. weren't. The Jews who were oppressed and oppressed. What no Jews ever oppressed in America. The Jews are not oppressed in America. Mm-hmm. They, they might be attacked, but... There's no, there's never been a pogrom in America against American Jews, and Harold Cruz said that in in the Crisis of Negro Intellectual, and they called him anti-Semitic for saying Jews have not been oppressed here. They they're That's part right. of the, the bourgeoisie. They're not yes, a they part are. of the bottom. That's right. That's right. And it's That's dishonest right. for them to turn it on us and act like we anti-Semitic because exactly. they're on top and we on the bottom and criticize them being on top. Uh, uh, James Baldwin said blacks are not anti-Semitic. Blacks are anti-white. Exactly. <laughs> and they said Jews exactly. are white. <laughs> yeah, and they are white. When you deal with the reparation movement, see, this is what you have to be going to deal with. See, cause see, see these Jews that, that's white in America, they, they, what they want, they cake and eat it too. They want to be white when it's convenient, and they want to be Jewish when it's convenient. See, see because, see, Many of yes, these sir. Jews, what they do, they change their name. If they were Silverstein, because they know their white Anglo-Saxon brothers yes, don't like them. So what they do, they cut their name down from Silverstein to Silver. So they could blend right yes, in sir. with the other white Anglo-Saxon males. This is the game they've been yep. playing for years. And some of our people ain't yep. up to that yet. But see, like I said, I close with this, Professor Teller. I'm, 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 I'm optimistic about reparations because I know in spite of them putting the Negroes out there to talk against it, they don't forget they, what they cut out in California, the regions guy who spoke against the front of the You know what I'm talking about. That's right. Yeah, so they're going to have these people out there. We can't let them deter us. We know what we got to do. We no, know it. and we're closer than we've ever been, brother. Yes, yes, it, yes. But, but, it, but it's going to take it's going to take black folk getting behind it. It's going to take others who may or not be our allies. I don't think we should care about them. I believe this. 
as mm-hmm. much as people, you know, downplayed when King said we shall overcome because it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great rhyme. It was okay right. for its time. And it got played. And we, by the time Public Enemy came around, we didn't want to hear we shall overcome. But what King was looking back on is all of the things we beat. We beat slavery. It, it, it yes. left us ragged and tattered and, and bruised and devastated, but we still had a spiritual culture. That spiritual culture is still alive and vibrant and why we surviving and why the white man is dying out in America. We're yes, not dying is. out, brothers. Do the math. Look at the census for 2075, and you're yes, going to see black people, 75 million people, and they're 46 million right now. We're about to become 29 million more black people in the next 50 years. The white group is dying, and I've said this before, Elliot, 33 of 50 states, the white group is dying out. Everybody else us. is growing. And Reverend, I'm going to tell you, I write you out, and i tell you these last things I get off so somebody else to get on. The show I write you out. Why do you think the white man has got this fight about abortion? He do, abortion, he, is he, it? Right, because That's he do not want these white women ha- having abortions because he know the white race has been pretty much birthed out of existence, and he see the tree, he see the handwriting on the wall. See, they don't see they don't mind black women, the Puerto Rican women having abortions. They wear metric, they encourage yes, it. They don't want That's white right. women to have abortions because they, they, they see their race. About yeah. them, mm-hmm. The tragedy about them is that they spent so much time trying, you know, it's almost like David in the Technicolor, what was it, was it uh, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat in the Bible, where yes, they sir. said, God meant it for my good, you meant it for my bad. Yes, sir. And, 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 and they enslaved us, but brothers, again, Google, do, do your research on the U.S. Census, what its future projections are, 410 mm-hmm. million Americans in the next 75 years. We're going to be mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. But, no but you doubt. know what you you can look into the future of what your grandchildren are going to experience right now by looking at the data, what they're projecting. Yes. They may be a little bit off here or there, but they're not way off. And they're saying we're going to be 70, 65 million by 2065. It's it's 2023. Mm-hmm. They said we're going to be 20 we're going to be 75 million by 2075. So that's that's uh 40 about 50 50 years from now. So that's our great that's our children or grandchildren. Our grandchildren Yes, sir. And, and, and the thing we got to do, I think, is fight for reparations now so we can be healthy because otherwise it's going to be a surplus of black folk who are poor and more yes. incarceration and more I massive. Agree. And, and see, for this, that's why I listen to, that's why I listen to shows like Time from Awakening and, and listen forward to Brother Ellie Mitchell having guests like you on Professor Teller to keep our people informed and know what's ahead and what's important and what we have to you know, you know keep our focus on. Okay, Professor Teller? Yes. I hope I can put a plug in. I'll be on the Carl Nelson show tomorrow morning at five in the morning. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Thanks for letting me know. Well, put my mute, Elliot, and I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thanks for your contribution. Sure, you're welcome. Let's go to six four six six four six. That's Columbus. Yeah. Good afternoon, Elliot. Is that is that Columbus? Into your into your guest. I I just have to say this, and I know people disagree with me, what would be the purpose for white people to give black people reparation? What would be the benefit for it? It ain't what about white people. people. What would be gay I think, I, think, I, think that's a mis- I think that's a calculated mistake we make, is to think that in terms of white versus black. I think we should think in terms of the, the state versus its citizenry. We, we were citizens. The Indi- Indian gaming in California is reparations. Um, the Japanese in internment in, in San Francisco. I'm giving you California examples, precedents here, not everywhere, but here. 
uh, in San Francisco, the Japanese were interned for about four or five years. They got 20,000 a, a family from Reagan and Bush back to back. Darity and his wife um, Mullins, in their book, From Here to Inequality, document how the 1852 um, uh, uh, Homestead Act is, you can directly trace, I think they said about a thousand white millionaires. I might be wrong. I apologize if I'm way off. I apologize. But I know they said a significant number, I should say more neutrally, a significant number of white millionaires who were created by the 1852 Homestead Act. And that ain't from white greatness or white superiority. That's from state policy. And that's where reparations comes in for us is the injury around state policy. So to me, white people should not be a part of our conversation around reparations. And we, and, have, to, and we and have to get, get beyond that. that. That's, that's, let me say this. I'll shut up. That, that's what I mean by we have to get beyond those questions like the gay community no longer answering is it natural or not. We should no longer answer the question of what about the white community. It should be about the state. It did violence to us. We can still document it from Mario Woods and 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 um, Oscar Grant backwards. And what did Japan have that we as a people don't have? They had the backing of a their state. country. <laughs> yeah, but they right. had, and, and, and we don't have a backing of a nation state. We have, if we're going to be honest, which right. we basically don't do, we have nothing backing anything that would make the demands of reparations palatable for our people. Well, uh, there's, all we have, but there's four, can I finish, can I finish my there's four, four countries. There's 14 countries. What, there's 14, 14 African and West Indian countries. Yeah, what about that? countries but, that have the power to do what? But, the, but let me say let, let, let me, you, you've seen okay. Give me a second. Let me give me ten seconds, you, brother. I'm sure you've seen episodes when when Prince William and his wife were in Jamaica. You've seen what happened when Queen Elizabeth died. Black folks stood up in in Parliament in London, in Jamaica, in Tobago. They withdrew from the crown. Um, uh, uh, there have been other examples of folks calling for reparations in Africa. Black. What we're doing in, in San Francisco is, is a part of that. Sir? Yeah, but wait, but, 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 Doc, but Dr. Taylor, That's let me let me say this. Well, wait a minute. You don't answer. Well, wait, 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 did, let me, did Martin Luther King know in 1954 or 55 that there was going to be the Civil Rights Act, the, the, you know, the Voting Rights Act, and the Federal Housing Act? We don't know what's coming. And but what, brother, in the meantime, give me out, give me ten seconds. Sir? Give me ten seconds. Give me ten seconds. In the meantime, do you think there's any value to black people organizing everywhere around issues? impacting them, even if they don't get reparations, shouldn't we organize and mobilize to make change? You're still going to see a new, a new reality if we mobilize. Organ, organize, organize to do what, well, sir? Well, well, wait a minute. To Hold do on. what? Dr. Taylor. Can Dr. I just Taylor. finish the Dr. point? The Dr. man never lets nobody finish your point. That's so unfair. He just runs his mouth. Yeah, but you asked the question. he never lets nobody finish the point, Elliot. But you asked a question. Let, let me. I, I wanna, wait okay, a minute. Let me, let me say this, because you asked the question about what did Japan, Japan have that we don't have, and I think Doctor Taylor, you agreed that they had a nation state behind them, right? That's it. Okay. Now, the nation state that we have behind us has been neo-colonialized. We're colonized. 
But the thing is, just like we're fighting to get what's due to us, African countries are doing the same thing. The diaspora is doing the same thing. We should be working together. That's what we're dealing with. This whole thing, these white supremacist governments have did damage to black people worldwide. Now, some blacks feel so that they don't, that we shouldn't be working with other blacks. That's up to them. These things are happening. They're happening. I don't care what I might feel. Oh, I don't necessarily want to work with no Africans. I don't want to work with nobody from the islands. Okay, that's how you feel. But these things are happening. They're happening now as we speak. And this man yeah, but, is... But Elliot, Elliot, see, this is, this is where we make the biggest mistake. This is our biggest mistake as a, as a people. We're fighting more and more harder to be a part of whiteness. No, no, everybody's not doing that. No, 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 no. I see it every day, Elliot. I understand the principles of integration, the civil rights movement. All of that stuff was to be integrated into whiteness, to be a part of this system, to have a position in this. We got to go beyond that. We don't even need to be dealing on that level no more. We need to be figuring out how do we right. c- reconnect back home and build and develop some place where we can go and be whole. This right here is never, ever, ever going to give black people anything. You know why? And white people show it to you every day. They're going to protect this because this is what? It's theirs. Yeah, this but you, but, but, uh, but uh, brother Jack, you still, ha- you, you still had to fight. Well, go ahead, Richard. Go ahead. But what are you fighting for? That's the, the answer. The what are we fighting for? The challenge I have with the proposition that you make, the position that you take is not only is it defeatist and makes black people experience um, in America uh, invisible, because what you're saying is, well, this is all theirs, and we we have no power. We will never have no power. We got we got no power. Therefore, we should never we should never ask or demand anything, even uh, from ourselves, to be more organized and effective than we are right now for our future. But what, but what are you organizing that, that, for? I mean, that, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I. That follow up is just to have for me um, is caller is just to have conversation. It is not really to deal with. Uh, and brother Elliot, I'm gonna clarify. Let, let me let me clarify. Uh, let, what's the caller's name? Because I love this brother. What's his name? J- Jay. Name is Jay. Jay has called in many times on Carl Nelson, and I love him because he got a strong New York accent. And when I hear his voice, I feel so home. I'm I'm born and raised in New York. He's he he and, he and I can sit on the corner stoop and be friends and disagree, but we we would just talk and we would disagree or we would we would find a mutual point. So I'm not opposed to everything he's saying. I agree with his philosophical question: is of what are we doing and and what is the end game? And I don't know exactly. I'm trying to say to you that all I can look at is models beforehand and look at the you know the and some of the programs have failed, but the Panthers. Came up. Their most effective program was the the survival programs. King's most effective outcome was Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, um, uh, Housing Act, uh, 68. I don't know what's going to come out of reparations, brother, but I know we better off organizing around it than we not. 
And I know so if Philly did it, I know if Philly did I know if Philly did it or Brooklyn did it, it would be extremely significant. It would. You know some Brother Taylor, and I, I want to now. say this to you. And, and, and I agree. That, that this is one of, the, one of the things that me and you could definitely agree on. But my question would then go to, why are we organizing right. on reparations? I hear you. I hear you. Something that we know the white man is not inclined to give us. Why don't we figure out about organizing how we could build a because better I think, I think, Okay, I'm with you. With I, that think, I think that can come out of our meeting. I, I was, again, when you're in a room with 25, 50 people talking about reparations and they had no, you know, no, no unction towards it. But now in Antioch, when police just did a bunch of racist stuff, I went there and I put it on their heads. I said, well, y'all need to do all reparations. For example, if California does reparations statewide, Shouldn't every local black community be organized like Long Beach, Compton, parts of L.A., San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, all in places you know? Shouldn't we have organized readiness so that if reparations came down, we could, you know, again, through some kind of government-private partnerships, uh, administer it into the community? Um, we're moved, brother, we're, we're close. I'm not saying we're going to get reparations. All I'm saying is, what we've done in California is extremely significant because of what we're seeing happen in response to it. And I think the only way it can win is if we keep doing it. If, if we stop now, then, yes, a handful is 12 places, 15 places. But what if y'all do it in Philly? What if they do it in Brooklyn? What if they do it in Harlem? What if they do it in Cleveland? Detroit, oh, Detroit's already doing it. Cleveland. And what if we never get reparations, but the organizing, the meetings, the, the being in the room with the elders and the kids and the and the men talking about it without a philosophy like Nation of Islam or, you know, black Hebrew Israelite, whatever, but just black folk, you know, you know, not Democrats or liberals, but black folk in the room caring about the most immediate pressing issues in their communities. And I'm I'll say it about this. I think it has to happen from the bottom up. And then that's what happened with weed and marijuana, uh, uh, gay marriage is the grassroots what Malcolm talked about mobilized, and then what Darity and his wife are calling for um, uh, in their book, From Here to Inequality, is a $20 trillion investment from above. They say she, his wife, Mullins, says that all of the, city, all of the cities in America and all of the counties combined only have $5 trillion. That's what she said uh, online. Um, but the federal government, cause, so their philosophy is federal government down. They don't believe in what I'm saying is from San Francisco out. They believe from, you know, D.C. down. And I wish they would. We, we wish they would because that would be $20 trillion. Um, There's $35 trillion I saw today. They're trying to figure out that was lost that they can't find. There's $35 trillion lost in the, in, that's not been audited. So they got the money. Um, they try to pretend. Look at what Biden's done for Ukraine. Yeah. Oh, they, they, got, they got the money. They ain't, look, they ain't got no problem with that. And look, in Cal- look, I'm telling you, in San Francisco, in the last week, they found, eight, they found $700 million sitting around. In San Francisco, look it up, with London Breed. For homelessness, they gave $82 million to LAPD, I mean, OSFPD, and they gave $27 million three weeks before that. So $109 million to SFPD in the last two weeks. 
Brother Jay, let, let me take the, uh, this call that's been waiting. So I want that brother to know I love one, him brother. every time right. he calls in, and I respect his intelligence and his, his opinions, and I just feel like he's somebody, we both New Yorkers, and, you know, we would go back and forth, but we we would not be disrespecting each other. We would just have different opinions, but I would probably come around to his opinion because I respect him. Let's go to... Uh, Thanks, thanks for your call, brother. Let's go to Alpha, uh, uh, England. Call up. Hello. I can hear you. You can hear me, Bob. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Good, good, good afternoon, um, brother Elliot and brother Richard. It's Paul calling from London, England. How are you, sir? I am doing I'm fantastic. I just give thanks for life. Um, I always appreciate listening to this brother. Um, I love his energy. And my humble request is that he keep up that energy, you know, because that's the type of energy which inspires people. Uh, I know brother Jay referred to you as running up your mouth. And if that's what he, he called <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. But if he calls it running up your mouth, I, I wish and I humbly respect that you continue to run up your mouth because the truth of the matter is, we need that kind of energy because sometimes, if I be honest with you, I listen to certain people and I fall asleep. And, it, and you can't listen to people <laughs> when you're asleep. You understand? Yeah. You need Sometimes we need to be excited. We need to be that yes, energy and emotion. So hear what now? When you were talking and you're talking about reparations, I'm a supporter. Unlike Brother Jay, I am a total and absolute supporter of reparations. The reason being is because... Um, they have to pay for the trauma they have caused us. They have to pay that. Whether, whether, whether they're going to pay it by us requesting it and going through the normal protocols or whether we set the seeds for the future generations who will take it. They won't, they won't be coming and begging. And you can see the attitude of them already. And as they grow and as it goes on, they're going to come a time. They're not going to be begging for reparations they will declare war and they will take it by blood. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And absolutely. So with, that, that's, uh, that's, I, that's beginning. That, that's beginning to happen in South Africa. They make it. Well, demands. well, I know that. I know that. And they know that too. That's why they are arming themselves to the hill because they know that's coming. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, worrying about white people and what they think and what they do. I'm not going to do that because I know what's coming down in the art of war. It suggests that, First of four, the first movement of declaring war, you come respectfully. You can, come can humbly. I, I, I hate to interrupt you because I'm listening to you, but I, I want to ask you a quick question before we, unless, unless we cut off or something. Can you tell us about what has happened in England around reparations when the Queen died? Can you remind us who in Parliament spoke up? What 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 happened? Like Tobago. I'm going to get to that, but before I get to that, what, 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 I, what I would like you to do, my humble request before I get to that point, um, I, would, I would like you, maybe not this occasion, but on another occasion, to explain to the listeners the whole point of the sixth region, the sixth region, what it represents, because mm. I don't hear nothing, not on this platform 
on other platforms about the situation. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know about it, but I'm, I'm about to Google it, but I don't know about it. You got to teach me. Well, this is what I'm saying. The Africa, as far as I understand, you know, I'm not the expert, but we have a brother who phones in from Jamaica who done a lot of work in, in organizing the sixth region. And, and what I understand it represents is the African Union, they set up um, something called the sixth region, which is supposedly all of us outside Africa to organize as almost like an African state outside. And mm-hmm. I hear nothing about that, especially on that side of the pond. I don't even hear it mentioned. Well, and right. it, well let, let, and, me, and, let me say this, uh, bro, uh, you, might, you might be aware and then you might not. Arakana, uh, uh, Dr. Quayo came on our program and talked about the sixth region and talked about the need yeah. to organize for, for blacks in the diaspora, which includes the United States, <laughs> to organize under the sixth region. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because you might not have heard. Okay, so thank, you. Like thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I think uh, what I'm saying, yes, and, and I absolutely respect that, Queen. But uh, um, I, I think from what I understand, the purpose of organizing the sixth region was for the grassroots to organize themselves effectively and represent an African state outside of Africa. And in that fashion, we would approach, because you said, Brother Elliot, that we need to work together. And for me, that's how we need to work. We need to work We'd have to work against China too, though. Like China has got its interest in Africa and making sure that its interests are in Africa and in the African diaspora, because it's, it's investing in Detroit, for example. I mean, China's investing in Detroit and in Oakland, buying all the houses in Oakland that their mothers were fighting for in Oakland. So it's not just, you know, uh, geo, geopolitics. It's also Detroit is being brought up by Chinese nationals, and so is Oakland. So how do we organize against, you know, those kind of well, realities. When you talk about the six regions. Yeah, no, but I get that. But the the bottom line is, if people is, is don't China know about it... Six, let me say this. Is China in all six regions? Sorry? Is China in all six regions? No, no, no. The, the six, from what I understand, the six region represents Afri- people of African descent outside okay. Africa. That's what okay. it represents. It doesn't represent Chinese. Okay. It represents okay. people organizing effectively as a state outside of Africa, being able to talk on the African Union. And, and, and as, as far as I understand, we've not done that. We, you, you know, we, we have, you know, you obviously have your idea about reparations there. Um, and each, everybody has their own idea about reparations. But really, in, reparations comes under international law. And right. what they're saying is that we need to organize effectively as a sixth region, which they've, which they've set in place, but for I some agree. reason or the other, we've we've not gone down that line. But anyway, you no, asked me. A I, I love that approach. I agree with you. Right, but and, and it concerns me that we. Uh, yes, we, I, I understand the ambassador spoke about it, but to, in all due respect to her, it's not for her to talk about it. She's from the continent. It's for those outside the continent who to represent themselves actually as a state, mm-hmm. and we haven't really effectively done that. But the bottom line is this: yeah. In England, right? Uh, yeah, we that's have because we have not found we have not found the operational unity beyond our blackness. We got to find another operational unity around interests. And 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 the, one of the reasons why why that has happened is because they compartmentalize our our our, our, our education, uh, which yeah. which is indoctrination. And no right. disrespect to Brother Jay, every time I hear him, 
I always think of compartmentalization because he's very, he's, a, he's well, no disrespect to him, but he reminds me of a true African American. He does, he only can think for America. <laughs> he doesn't, he, he doesn't seem to think outside of America. He doesn't realize there's a world going on outside of America, right? You know, and, and then that's how I feel about it. I'm just going to tell the truth. But the reality but that's because, of it is, that's because all of, in New York, all of Africa is in New York. So he's a New Yorker. So exactly, exactly. Is, I've lived, I've lived in New York, and I know, and, and, and I don't even think he realizes that he's been so indoctrinated. He doesn't realize he doesn't. There's a whole world going on outside there. So we don't have a problem. We don't have a fear of white people like he does. But the reality of what I'm trying to explain, Alpha, I think that understand. Let me say this, Elliot, real quick. Okay, give me ten seconds. Part of the issue, brother, is the foundational black Americans with um, Tyreek Nasheed and. Uh, that sister, whatever her name is, Yvette Carnell, I haven't seen her in a long time, but the whole uh, 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 descendants of African slaves, foundational black Americans, I understand they split, but the whole hostility towards black West Indians and Africans and Brits is something that has to be dealt with right now because to me it's almost an artifact of Trumpism, MAGA. It's like black MAGA. Have you detected Brother, this? Let me be honest with you, Have you detected what I'm talking about? Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Listen, let me be honest with you. Uh, my my parents come from Jamaica. I don't fear that at all. Uh, if he if he ever comes to England, he'll realize about it. That. Have you heard about it? Yeah, I've heard about it, but it, okay. it doesn't bother me one bit. If okay. he really understood what Jamaica's about, that, we don't fear that at all. Alpha, Alpha. That doesn't bother me one bit. Alpha and Professor Taylor. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, as we, especially if we look at San Francisco, we start as the base of San Francisco, which is in America and specific when we're talking about reparations. And right. we use our historic in America, uh, say we're going to use Cali House or the ex-slave national movement. Right. Everyone has to organize yes, uh, effectively where they are. And as you yes, say, sir. Dr. Taylor, then negotiate our our strength in relationship yes. to our interests. Yes, sir. And not... We cannot talk about, we, we, yes, we have to have a global strategic vision, but we cannot overlook our specific, and, and what you raise that is in San Francisco, that, you know, even with San Francisco, San Francisco argument around harm cannot, oh, is oh. not the same as South Carolina's argument, Georgia. Oh, right. So, so, Alpha, uh, um, though we, the sixth region, and it's questionable how that works, is there um, is still, whether those in Europe, I mean, in England, those in Jamaica, those in Barbados, everyone has to organize around in their, in their particular loca- locale. Other than that, Evanston, Illinois is giving 25000 It's not going to be. It's not a thought. Evanston, Illinois decided in the last 10 days to give $25,000 to every black family. What would that do for your family? Brothers, that, that, that means we're winning. We're not losing. We're winning. We're going to keep going. If they're not organized, if, they're, if, that, if, that, if that win is not sustainable in the continuing organizing around other issues, quality of life issues, is only really being bought off. I'm, I'm saying, especially using the framework of domestic nationalism, right? right? That if we don't do not, in our location, 
operate as a national entity, meaning creating yes, infrastructure that we need, regardless whether the state do it, regardless whether there's money, regardless whether we, we have international connection. If we do not organize effectively to support and protect our own in our own yes, self sir. in a hostile yes, environment, and an environment that's hostile here in America in general, in California specifically, in San Francisco, and more particularly, if we do not, the people, and that's what we have to be evaluating, the organizing efforts on the ground and what they are demanding in relationship to their quality of life needs. We I cannot love it. I love it, brother. have our language. I love everything you're saying. You know, our language cannot be so general that we are not overlooking, and that is even when we're in an inter- international conversation. Because at that point, you should be speaking from the perspective of what you're doing there, what you see is doing there, and how it may link up, even if it links up with San Francisco. Because now we, we create an interest that possibly create our internal bartering or trade relationship. But that comes down the line if we can't organize to say how we're going to have this city can so I make a point? Our particular needs. That's that's all. Make a point. I hear what yes. you're saying, but I just I, I just don't like this. Now this over the vision is clear. The global vision is clear. Can, the, can, the I, can I can I just make a point? Yes. You know what what concerns me when I hear that argument, and what what concerns me about the argument you made, and I'm going to say it again: reparations is international law. That's where it comes under. It does not come under local law. If you talk about, if you're talking about reparations, you're talking about compensation. It's not the same. No, no, no. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Let him finish his point. Richard, let him finish. Let me finish my point. Okay, I didn't interrupt you. Finish your point. Finish your point. Right, I'm going to say it again. Reparations. When you mention the word reparations, it comes under one thing. It comes under international law, not local law. Okay? That's where it comes under. So when you make that argument, when you make an argument locally, you're talking about compensation, not reparations. Okay? So that means the reason why the the Japanese got it, because the Japanese came as a nation under international law. Okay? Not compensation, and that's the difference. But so when I talk about determination, international law under self-determination. Self-determination is only self-determination. Wait, 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 wait. Nigeria just got recent uh, 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 artifacts back from Germany. Um, I think it was under Togo, Nigeria, and Germany did that on its own. I'm suggesting, if you can hear me that the pressure we're putting is having its own effects. It's like that sister standing up there in South Carolina going up that pole, Bree Walker, and taking it down. And next thing you know, Alabama is taking down the library named after racists. Right. So let, you asked me a question about what's in, in London. Yeah, look, we, 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 have, um, we have an organization uh, which represents reparations. It works a lot with COBRA. We got a, a sister called Esther Stanford who visits America a great deal. She okay. interacts with Cobra there, so we know what's okay. going on in terms of that. Our, okay. I, the, some of the problems we have, like most of us in, in the UK, come from West Africa and the Caribbean. 
the problem we have with reparations, like I mentioned, it's an international fear. So you've got in the Caribbean, CARICOM, which have come up with a 10-point plan to represent so-called uh, the Caribbean. But unfortunately, okay. those of us those of us who live in England, that doesn't really affect us, and there's no provision for us. So that's why we've had to um, create a grassroots yeah. movement similar yeah. to what you've got there, COBRA, yeah. okay? Right. And that's why the interaction goes on a, a great deal. Because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, that, that we had a big case in London, where the Marmar in Kenya um, yes, took a case took a case against the British Army for mm-hmm. reparations, okay, and no. uh, yeah, they they actually won that case, right? But the problem, what happened is, and, th- and this is what people should note, they won that case. But in terms of the the, the the money they got, the most of the money went to the lawyers and the judiciary, and the the actual money they received was very minimal. And that's wow. one of the reasons why we have a grassroots movement. And it's one of the reasons why we as a people need to speak on an international front. Because as we speak, they, they, there's movements being made and they are making waves to organize uh, um, some sort of reparations on people's behalf internationally. It's happening. Yes, Trust me, because I follow these yes. things. And what and what what will be the end result is they will get paid, but it, the money will not reach the people, and that's why the importance of us coming together internationally—it's so important. Right. Yes, because listen, they are working uh, on an international basis. Listen, I, listen, I, I agree with everything that you said. That it's necessary for us to organize. And, and you, uh, Elliot, Elliot, I must say this to you again. Yeah, uh, uh, this is important. You just remind me of saying you had a sister on there. In Gambia, right? You had a, a yes. brilliant sister who comes from England. She's a solicitor. You call them attorneys, yeah? She's a lawyer, and she's in Gambia. And she was speaking on how she was trying to change the constitution in Gambia. Now, Brother Elliot, that these are the people we need because the reality of it is I'm law, I've got a law degree, and I know that no matter how we're talking, unless you can change the constitution and change some of these laws, we ain't going nowhere. And we need right. more people like that to talk sense because we can rabbit all we want. If we can't change the constitution and we can't change the laws, we're in trouble. And that's all I'm going to say. So it's a brilliant sister you have, but we need more people like that. Listen, uh, thanks for your contribution. Listen, before you go, I, I love that. I love that. Ellie. That brother from London and representing, I, I appreciate him. Listen, and be- was very intelligent. I, I didn't argue well, with him. Well, so the, the previous brother said, I'd be fussing, but I shut up and listen. <laughs> listen, before you go, let, let me say this. Because there is debates among our people that we could do this by ourselves. When I say by ourselves, wherever we are, and I do understand uh, what Richard is saying about us organizing. It had, it had, the organizing has to take place where you are, period. Yeah, sure. yeah I agree. I agree. But, but what we have to understand is it wasn't just the English that caused this damage. No, it was Spaniards. It was Portuguese. Portuguese. It was Italians. It was all of them. They all did it. Now, I want to ask everybody a question. When the European Union meets, because there's no black nations in the European Union, when the European Union meets in Geneva or wherever they had their meeting, you don't think that they talk about this? I know they do. I know that they have talked about black nations demanding reparations. That's why Gaddafi did. 
What, but I'm just saying, see, we don't, we're not doing that. And some of our people is poo-pooing the idea of working with brothers in England, in Africa, in the islands, in South America. They're poo-pooing this idea. But the people that, the people, wait a minute. The people that, the people that, hold on a second, Dr. Taylor. But Dr. Taylor, let me say this. The people that have done this damage, when they meet, they're talking about this. I know they are. Brother Elliot, Brother Elliot, Brother Elliot, you are so right. And this is one of the things where I push. And, you know, no, just, I love, I love Richard as a brother, but Richard's, the way Richard, the Richard's tone of voice and the way he spoke is typical of what they've done to our minds. Because the reality of, our, of, of what we've got to do on an international basis is come together because they do well, everything to keep us apart. Everything. Richard, to keep us apart. And, and to the, but, don't to you the, think, but Richard agrees don't with you. you it's music, just, don't you think the music and the cultural connections that we are continuing to make since, since uh, Jazzy, Jazzy, what's his name? Jazzy, uh, Back in the day, you know, from uh, Soul to Soul, um, no, 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 Black Atlantic talked about this. What about Afro beats? What about Afro I, beats? Is that not a new front? Is that not a new front? I'm asking. I'm no, asking. Hear what I'm going to say to you. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. I'm the same age as you. I'm 53. I'm the same age as you. I know you've said your right. age. I know you old you are, right? I right. was in New York. I was in New York when Kiss FM was playing breakbeats. I used to bring right. breakbeats. It was me. I used to bring breakbeats from New York. I used to take them on the radio station for my, get them off my cousins and sell them in the UK. I brought breakbeats. I know. I hate to say this, but I I, I met African Barbara so many times when he come to the UK. We used to support him. Unfortunately, he turned into a right. sex predator. Right, right, but the reality right, right, of right. it is. I was in hip-hop from the beginning, right? So I was in New York. I came back to London, right? So I, I know everything was going on. But a reality, and i got family there in New York, uh, in Florida, in Canada, right? So the reality, what I'm trying to explain to you is that, yes, these things have brought us together. But they, like, like Brother Elliot says, and he's a million percent right, these people work 24-7, 365 to keep us apart. To even the extent, yeah. let me tell you, this yeah. radio station, you can't pick up the normal way. I can't get it normally. I have to go for a VPN service to actually even get the signal. Even on the Carl Nelson show, they've blocked it. They do not want us to communicate on no level whatsoever. So, therefore, right, the reality of it is we have to come together on an international basis because that's how they power. That's how they are maintaining power. Yes, we have to work on our local basis, but trust me, on an international basis, we have to work together because if we don't, right, we ain't going to succeed because these people are working in the big league, okay? This is, and we've got to have that mentality now and drop this division. By any means, we've got to drop it. Put it aside. We can't be talking like you know we're, we're stuck in the hood and we just we can we can't think outside the hood because we're not going to win that way. We're just not going to do it. It's not going to happen. And, okay, and, and I just want to leave it like that. Yeah, let me say. I respect. This. I respect. 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 Yeah, and I understand. And I understand uh, the perspective. But let me say this. You know, and it, and it's difficult in these formats to be able. But um, I'm a card-carrying member of the UNIA, Universal Negro Improvement Association. I'm very clear. I need that. I'm very clear of the global um, vision. Mm -hmm. 
of African people. I'm very clear of that. The challenge is not necessarily at this stage. It's not our vision of, of what we have to do. The challenge is our effectiveness in being able to organize ourselves where we are. Commitment? Do you mean commitment? <laughs> Say it again. Do you mean commitment also? Yeah, commitment yes. to it? Yes. Because, yeah. because if we don't do that, um, we can't, as you say, change the, I mean, and for me, it's not even changing constitutional laws of someone else. It's creating laws based off of that commitment that we will govern ourselves from a local global perspective in our own self-interest. So I, though I, and, and because of the time that I have been engaged personally, and I, and I wanted to make, I didn't want I don't want to make it personal, is that the time engaging how the challenges we have, and you spoke to the challenges that you see in England around just around reparations, and there are different nationalities that are involved. That local organizing cannot be overlooked. Now, that's the only point I'll make. Let me make a point. You know, know, in in Flint, the water crisis, okay? Let me show you something you probably didn't know. In Flint, the water crisis, did you know it was a French company which was running the water there? Did you know that? No, no. No, you didn't know that, did you? But yes, what, no, what I'm saying to you is, let me explain something to you. When, when, when it all came on top, that French company, do you know where they went? They left America. Do you know where they ended up? Most people don't know that. They ended up in Nigeria. They are now traded in Nigeria, poisoning the water the same way. Now, really? the thing is, I listen, I listen to the talk about the water crisis, but yet I did not hear. Water, is, it comes under, again, comes under international law. If your water's being poisoned, you don't take it locally. You take it to the bloody UN. That's where you take it, because it's, it's, it's a human right. That means you take it to the UN. But all the talk I'm hearing is about, oh, you're going to do this. It's not going to work. It's a human right. If you can't get clean water, it's not a local issue. It's a human rights issue, right? So, therefore, you're wasting your time going to your local representatives because they can't do nothing for you. I would say conversely that the international community, um, they have moral suasion and moral power, but they don't have any teeth in their... UN status to the degree that they can police and make somebody do something. And all we do have is what we've used, which is Ralph Bunch or Malcolm X or Amiri Baraka after Lumumba gets killed, black folk going there and raising hell. But we have not been able to... Uh, Malcolm was trying to coordinate the black countries when he went to the OAU um, in, uh, in Addis Ababa, I believe it was, um, uh, where he spoke, he wasn't allowed to speak. He um, wrote a statement about how our struggle in America was a struggle of all black people. I think, I think we have to figure out how to how to make connections that are meaningful, not not in general. Because if you look back at like Shirley Graham Du Bois, um, uh, uh, Maya Angelou Du uh, Du Bois, Malcolm. There's very little other than their cultural uh, awakening and experience that they got there. Uh, King went there before all of them. Nobody knows that, but King went there when Ghana got independent in 57, but nobody knows that. Um, You know, Africa's elevation is important to black American elevation. Um, But I think we have to make more deliberate connections. And I think that's where we agree is, is, is how do we, 
like Ghana made a strong gesture in the last five years before COVID where they basically told black America, come back home. You know, you can have citizenship here. And a lot of us couldn't afford to go back, but a lot of people did. Thousands and tens of thousands of black Americans went back to Ghana and, and claimed, you know, dual citizenship. Uh, we love South Africa. We love Nigeria. You know, Nigeria. Black Americans love Africa where there aren't really problems. And, and, and Canada and England, it's like, I think, at a more individual level, like us talking, like you and me talking, and us connecting at a bar or at a game or, you know, at a friend's house. And we decide, like Garvey and Hubert Harrison, brother, we got something in common we need to organize around. Brother, Alpha, listen, thank you for your contribution, man. You still there? He's a, he's a brilliant brother. He's a brilliant brother. I didn't lose you, did I? Oh, man, he, Ho- we might have lost him. Let him yeah. hopefully, hopefully he'll, email, he'll email you and follow up because uh, that's the kind of person you need. You know, uh, people who, you know, are about trying to make connections that are meaningful, though. I don't think it should be about, oh, we, we, we're visiting Africa or, you know, we have these networks. It should be about what, what can we get out of these of organizing at the UN or international court or, or, you know, in a single African country, um, Africa is on the rise and black America is very important to the rise of Africa. No matter our own family tensions between us as blacks and Africans and West Indians, that's family. That's, that's a family squabble. But, but we know we, we have enough, we have way more in common than we don't. And you might see these opportunistic uh, people on YouTube, but they're trying to get paid. You know, Candace Owens and, uh, and, and it's very few black Americans. It, it might be one or two, it might be a couple out there, but it's mostly, you know, the children of West Indians or Africans coming to America trying to act like they have some insight. And they'd be like 22 years old. And they ain't, they still peeing in the bed, some of them, trying to talk about our experience, which is ancient here. We were here before Columbus. We were here before the white man. Uh, and I believe that. I believe in Ivan, Ivan Van Sertima's research they came before Columbus and um, Lerone Bennett's uh, before the Mayflower. I believe in that scholarship. Um, and I think what we have to do in terms of reparations and in terms of the future again. I ain't no. I ain't a wizard. I ain't never had success at this. I'm not somebody you can look back and say, "Oh, can we look at Taylor's record and he's helped City A, B, C, and D?" No, I'm trying. I'm hoping that what we know, based on the knowledge of 75 years of black thought from men and women in cities and rural areas, from Booker to Du Bois to Malcolm to Farrakhan to um, uh, uh, you know Allah, uh, you know uh, from the five percenters, you know, um, uh, we have had a beautiful struggle, and I think um, if people appreciated what we have been through. Um, and how we still stand, um, 
I, I saw some old footage of black folk in the 18, 1920s or 30s recently on, on social media where they added color to them. And they were just smiling, happy, even though they were segregated, even though they were on the bottom. They still had a spiritual culture. And that spiritual culture is what connects us to England, Canada, Jamaica. You know, people don't know this, but reggae, you know, reggae began in Oakland. I mean, in Harlem, um, not not Jamaica. With, you know, with uh, with uh, you know, with, with, with its uh, it's it's the first Rasta. Um, let, let me grab uh, these last uh, two, uh, 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 Dr. Telescope. He's coming down home stretch. Uh, and I think we just lost one, McKinley, Texas. Call back. I'll get you on. Let's go to 757-757, Newport News. Good evening, gentlemen. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, Brother James Taylor, uh, last time I had the pleasure of listening to you was on Janice Graham, our common ground. But let me put a few yes. things out here because y'all covered so much. Number one, the brother from uh, UK. I can tell you emphatically if you you've probably met this gentleman, Tamaki, that's on the California Reparations Task Force. He dispelled that myth that they were successful because of Japan as a nation. As a matter of fact, he states emphatically it was the fact that they were U.S. citizens. So the idea that reparations is only international is a misnomer. I can say that factually. Right. Then I'll say something else that's positive. I heard uh, the gentleman talking about why would we do this? Anybody in a capitalist system that works under a democratic process that's right. advocating that you not go to the place that picks winners and losers, which is politics, really doesn't understand this game of capitalism. Then the other thing I'll say is I've had the luxury, I'm almost 70, of for the last seven, eight years, I've worked with organizations and I've actually seen the progress across generations from Connecticut to South Carolina to California all the way up to Oregon. Groups that I spend my time with now that I'm semi-retired, at least 10 to 12 hours a week speaking in groups, organizing right. because those people are not yes, only doing it online, but they're also doing it locally. So, yes, And I'm not even a proponent of what I call piecemeal reparations. Right. However, if you're going to do it, you should do it right. And I want to say something That's else right. too. Uh, Evanston, uh, I put it in the chat if you if you use uh, the dial pad. I, for the first time in about eight years, actually went on a reparations panel up at Amherst about a month ago because I'm adamant about this thing about local reparations. To be honest with you, as a, a woke American citizen, primarily what's going on on the, on the local level is what I call equity. I think people should take a civics class, and I'm all for what's coming out of that because of what I just said before about people actually working together and organizing in their local areas. Because yes. you can't tell rural Alabama how to get things done with their structure of government the same way it will work in, in, Cal in San Francisco. That's right. That's right. People That's don't right. seem to understand that this is a republic, and what you think you know about someone else's area may not necessarily be true. That's right. That's right. So, so, so I want to say that I see this thing coming together, but but we have to understand something else too. Randall Robinson made this claim, and so do most of the people that I believe we follow. No one is telling you that you should not be working in the jurisdiction that is has domain over you. As U.S. citizens, there are specific 
harms and issues we have with government sanctioned harms. Yes, Wrong. That does not mean that we don't fight for the people at Winbush or anywhere else. That's right. And and some people have come into this fray and caused a lot of dissension. And I'll give you one more because I know you're going to love this. You say you hadn't heard anything about ADOS, but you will love it if you go back and listen to a Rock Newman 2.0 show where he actually interviewed the illustrious Yvette Garnell. Right. And if you want to, if you want to see sanitizing and rebranding, go watch that show. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. Be strong, my brother. Keep doing the work. And uh, I yeah, first yeah, she, ran yeah, she, into your Dennis Graham. I she lost a lot of she she lost a lot of credibility. If you look at online, she ended up on some white nationalist, white racist um, uh, board, uh, and tried to justify it. And she looked like Rachel Dolezal. Hey, you know, it's, it's, a question, I, it's a question of whether she's even a sister. <laughs> here's, 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 here's what I'm going to say to you she about might, that. She might be an imposter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell on myself because I actually came into her movement early on when she first uh, brought on Dr. Darity to, to gain a little bit of credibility and veracity, her and, and Antonio Moore. And uh, I used to call in on a regular, and the group actually gave me a nickname, Uncle O. And I stayed with that nickname until she did some stuff that didn't quite sit with my barometer. And folks asked why I walked away, and I told them uh, I'm at the age now that when I find sidewalk clutter, I don't really have to stick my foot in it twice. And and, and let me say this. like If you you look at Tariq, you know, um, to me, Tariq, she's like a broken clock. Uh, like Umar, you know, they write twice a day, maybe more. But Tariq, you know, has, I guess, splintered from uh, Carnell and I guess her, uh, another, some other people I don't know as well, between well, foundations like do, Americans brother. and Addos. But, but Tariq doesn't have an affirmative program for reparations. But he's, well, but, I, he has, I'll say this, but, sir. but he organized against Africans and against West Indians around reparations. But he don't have no affirmative agenda around reparations other than opposing other black people. Well, I, I've been I've been in those circles, like I said, over the last seven years, and I got shouted down because I'm an old man. I'm from the country, and I told them I understand integration plays a part in this mosaic, but it's not the fundamental piece on it. And and when I find people that do that want to do personal attacks or assault people, like my whole thing is right. if you understand this fight, you're fighting policies, not people. So, so right. and I don't, I don't really follow them. But I'll tell you what I will do is, uh, if I get your email, I'll send you some links because I have a whole, my whole Twitter page is what I call a public diary, and uh, I keep hashtags as folders for some of this stuff. I can let you see exactly what went on with it, and you can laugh a little bit while you're sipping some 1865 nearest or something. Have a good day. <laughs> I love your work. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Professor Taylor, we'd have kept you a little overtime. Man, I, I, no, I appreciate, I appreciate it. I hope somebody's inspired. I hope some sister is sitting home in her kitchen and saying, I could do something. I think everybody has to do something. I think we have multiple fronts, economic, youth, gun violence prevention, health care, foster care, um, elders, um, uh, Jobs, um, schools, colleges, college preparation, um, 
uh, sports. You know, we have so many areas that require a generation to wake up and respond in a way that, and I ain't no fan of Thurgood Marshall. I know he was a, 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 a snitch. I know his history. Everybody else loved Thurgood. I, I don't. Uh, Thurgood was a snitch. Look it up. FBI. Um, uh, y'all know it. Y'all brothers know it. Y'all know it. Y'all read it. Yeah. I ain't the only one. Yeah. But, I, but, I, but I respect the fact that his generation, uh, Constance Baker Motley, under, under Sam Houston at, Burke, at, uh, at uh, Howard, um, you know, uh, Fred Gray, who's still alive, was Martin Luther King's lawyer, uh, Clarence Jones, who was Martin Luther King's lawyer that stole Birmingham letter and smuggled it out of, out of Birmingham jail. And I hired him here in San Francisco to teach at USF where, I'm the, where I was the chair of my department. I hired Martin Luther King's, I'm trying to tell the audience, both of Martin Luther King's and, and um, um, Rosa Parks' original lawyers are both still alive. <laughs> Clarence Jones and Fred Gray. They're both still alive. Okay. And like Andrew, like Andrew Young and Jesse are, they, they still alive, you know, and, and some women we could name. But I think we have to recognize that we come from a proud, strong tradition of people. And we are stronger than racism. We're greater than white supremacy. It is a force and a shield and a matrix. And a lot of our people are weak to it. But there are people like those of the people you've heard tonight calling in from all over the world, all over the planet. Uh, and there's a, a common theme of a desire of black people all over the world to correct the wrongs of the past 500 years. And it may be discordant, like an a orchestra. It may not be, we ain't got the perfect maestro, and we don't need one person to be that maestro. But brothers, again, to me, um, Reparations is a accusation. It's a it's it's like a prosecutor's saying you are guilty of a crime, on top of the fact that you owe for the crime you committed. And in the meantime, people are meeting and organizing, and talking and expressing their pain, and families talking about their homes lost, and people talking about their small businesses and how they want them funded. I. I Atlanta should have a rep. Like, we need a major black southern city, brothers. Now, think about what I'm saying. We could do it in Cali, but what if Atlanta or Charlotte or Richmond, a southern black city, established a reparations program? Ain't that where the real injury is down south? Like, we were talking about Cali earlier, and I was trying to explain, you know, the, the, the pre-American history. You know, but what about what about Georgia, Alabama? Believe me, it's coming. What, what if somebody started reparations in Birmingham? Lord have mercy. It's, it's, it, listen, it's coming. It's coming. And let's, it, let, let's, it, start, let, it let's might, start with the let's, it, let's just start with the church in Birmingham. It might set uh, this nation. Street. If that happens, not if that happens. When that happens, it might set this nation on fire. And that that to me is what we should be thinking about: is how to continue to promote on on any level. And again, I think what happened in London should be tailored to London because London's injury ain't Canada's injury or Harlem's injury or Compton's injury or Baltimore's injury. They're all different. And each one should be, I think, from the bottom up, organized black folk and allies that you should not trust but have allies and move forward Get sponsorship from city councils. That's the key. 
we in San Francisco, I'm trying to get some inside information. We in San Francisco got support from city council. So it wasn't just grassroots. It was grassroots from the NACP, Reverend Brown, but it got accepted by the city council. So now it's, it's on the city council's desk, our work, and on the mayor's. And, and it's at the state level, it's, on the, it's, it's eventually going to Governor Newsom's desk. So, so for me, it would be about New Brunswick, New Jersey organizing. Um, places like East Orange, you know, East Orange, New Jersey, uh, Camden, um, Trenton, Philly, uh, Baltimore. Um, those cities all have their own history of segregation, of black underdevelopment. Yeah. They can enumerate, like Evanston, Illinois did, the actual mathematical injuries to black families. And, and here, Over time. And here in Philadelphia, we got two young uh, folks that's, that's uh, on fire right now organizing, Sister but Brianna. But that requires, and, the, uh, that requires the Thurgood Marshalls of black America to stand up. I'm just using Thurgood Marshall as a metaphor, as a generation that rose. I'm saying we got way more Thurgood Marshalls. We got way more uh, 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 accountants, scientists, medical doctors, health professionals, men and women than we ever had. So, so why are we not responding like the previous generation did where they saw the moment? Uh, they did it with the protests around George Floyd, but what about sustaining all of that? And that's what we're doing in San Francisco is the work around reparations is part of the aftermath of, of George Floyd. Uh, Mayor Breed is kind of cooled on it because she was originally saying defund the police, but at the, at the street level, at the neighborhood level, we still are pressing and if they reject us, we understand that it will be added to the list of injuries of California and San Francisco of black, against black people, and then it creates a record, at least, for the next 30 years when the younger generation that's watching us right now comes up and says, y'all thought we was done? We, we want reparations in 2035. That's what we're doing, brother. Dr. Taylor, thanks for being with us this evening. Uh, you know, I'm gonna reach out to you again. To, uh, shoot it. Organize, back. organize wherever you are. Organize. <laughs> Take leadership <laughs> or organize. Uh, boy, and you know what? And I'm gonna get a hold of Reverend Brown because he said that he would come on before they, uh, you right. know, before they released that report. So uh, I, I kind of bounce it off Richard to see whether we should reach out to him just before or right after. But uh, we'll have him on to kind of talk about things too. And, and just you know, real quick, uh, California, like I said, was offering like I think. 336000 per black person, but one of their committee members said that they are about to announce a astounding amount after us. So that $5 million, brother, it, 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 won't, it got people's attention. And that, that to me is, is significant uh, because it said to black people, everybody else saying this is ridiculous, but what do you think? Like, what if you are unmolested by racism? and allowed to develop as an individual black person based on your own skills and talents and what you got from your grandmama and grandfather if they were unmolested by, by racism. And the truth is, black folk would be flourishing. Because we, we, we were doing it in the 50s, Brother Elliot. We, we, we were in suits in, in the Fillmore. We were in suits. That was uh, Harlem of the West, L.A., Detroit, Hastings Street, uh, Chicago, everywhere, Philly, Boston, Roxbury, uh, 
Connecticut, black folk were thriving, and then integration came, and we don't know what has hit us since. We've been trying to figure it out for the last 70 years since we've been integrated. (laughs) Dr. Taylor, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. Take care. Take care now. Richard. Yes, yes. Spirited discussion, man. You know, listen, and uh, I just want to say this and not speaking for you, mm-hmm. but uh, you understand clearly uh, what uh, uh, our brother from the UK was saying. Yes. Uh, but I think, and not I think, I know that you're a big proponent of local organizing and organizing where you are. Because if you don't organize where you are, it's going to be difficult for you to try to reach out to other people. You have no base. <laughs> exactly. You, 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 it's no, you're alone. So, you know, it, you, you need to try to organize where you are. And then, we, because, listen, our people are not, we, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay. We, we can organize where we are and reach out to brothers and sisters, whether they're in the islands, whether they're in Brazil which is more blacks in Brazil than in the United States, period. So, you know, we can reach, we can reach, out, uh, reach out to our people on the mother continent in England. We can reach out, but we do have to organize where we are. And I understand what you're saying. And I, yeah. I think the brother understands, too. But- and, 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 and international law that's created by somebody else doesn't have to be the international law that we create for in relationship for ourselves. I mean, this whole notion of, I mean, of of what they say is the basis of defining humanity is our, for me is a false thing. But we can't even get to whether it's false or not if we can't be able to create power where we are and then utilize them and continue to demonstrate that by creating relationships, power relationships with others who are who have similar um, strategic or long term objectives. That that's to me is you know, but yeah, it's. It, it's it helps the conversation. So, and I apologize if I, um, you know, get off. But it's it's too much to go over um, when you're you've been doing it. You know, what I mean, it's it's too you know, and you see the challenges in what we're doing. Yeah. Well, listen, I, it's going to be strong opinions. Uh, what did the uh, I know you ain't no big proponent of the scriptures, but in the 32nd chapter of Ezekiel, 37th chapter of Ezekiel, it talks about the dry bones coming together and the Mm -hmm. shaking. So, you know, when our people start to really make it move, serious moves, it's going to be strong opinions. But I think we do have to realize and keep the tunnel vision that uh, we want the same goal or we should want the same goal. And the ones that don't, they will will be revealed, just like some of the people we're talking about this evening. Those people that don't want a mutual goal to see our people flourish, to see our people be independent and free like we was before we were forced here in chattel enslavement, then their motives will be revealed. Then they can do what they want to do. It's up to, you know, they, 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 they're free people. Do what you want. There you but, go. but the solution for our people is to, just like Dr. Taylor said before he left, organize, organize, organize. Um, you know, it's going to be, and you know what, and, and I got to reach back out too, because, uh, Dr. Quayle was supposed to be on what, three weeks ago, Richard. 
but uh, yeah. she couldn't because of traveling and things like that. So we're going to try to have her on sometime this month so she can express, uh, because she got some other things going on that it might be interesting to the listening audience, but to talk again about that sixth region, the sixth quadrant, sixth region, because mm-hmm. you remember when she was on before she expressed, uh, exactly what that was and what, how they were trying to organize around okay. that. You remember, you remember that Richard? Okay. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be uh, good to have her back. And, uh, some other upcoming programs this month. I think it'll be interesting guests for the time for awakening audience to hear for the next at least couple of weeks. Before we leave tonight, just want to give the lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African perspectives with brother Ushi. Always interesting topics and dialogues on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, on Thursday, and I just talked with Brother Patrick uh, yesterday, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully he'll be uh, airing again. That's uh, uh, Brother Patrick, Mississippi on the Moon, Black Liberation Movement down there in Mississippi. Thursday, uh, seven to eight on Thursday evening. On Friday, from eight to ten, time for an awakening. From eight until and Saturdays from seven to nine, the Elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James as host. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. <laughs> and the struggle continues. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of.
Children. 